Hello and welcome to another special edition episode of Cartridge Cinema Club. Uh, no episode number. Uh, this is a renegade episode. If you if you find this in your feeds, just don't worry about it. Just just uh, just 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 go with it. Uh, it's one of those. Um, this is kind of a continuation of uh, of our side series of uh, Alex and Mark talk about a musician uh, that we like for three hours ish uh and talk about how the music makes us feel inside of our bodies mm-hmm. and and hearts um, yeah it's I... <laughs> it, yeah i mean we did it for kanye west which uh means a lot to us and now we're gonna do it for the hundred gex extended universe yeah this one hopefully not going to be uh quite as much of a journey into the center of the mind as the kanye episode was (laughs) yeah Um, i'm with you on that yeah i feel like i have been threatening to do this episode for quite some time (laughs) yeah gun points um and uh yeah we we are that this is probably gonna take a while so let's just get into it um so the first thing we need to talk about is what is hyperpop because we are talking about a hundred gex which is a hyperpop duo and some people might not know what hyperpop is so let's talk through that first um so obviously like genres are very fluid uh but also it's a lot of fun to try to narrow them down anyway <laughs> you know i i think it's good to admit that we like to narrow down and categorize listen things. i i can't help i can't help but love taxonomy okay yes tier lists um, are great <laughs> yeah uh at the absolute most basic level hyperpop is pop music that incorporates harsh noise elements um Pop music is obviously a somewhat nebulous term, but here I'm using it to just mean generally short, digestible songs that will have, like, a catchy hook and, like, a verse-chorus structure. Uh, Or if we want to be even more broad than that, we can just say derivative of the style of popular American music of the past two or three decades, (laughs) if that works for you. Yeah, it's 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 the 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 first couple Beatles albums. What 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 was spawned by by what Lennon and McCartney did, uh, and but then you add uh, buzzsaw sounds to it. <laughs> right. Yeah. So so harsh noise uh, is just what it sounds like. Uh, it's music. What got some loud fucked up sounds in it. Um, the types of sounds can vary wildly, but they have to be loud and they have to be fucked up. Um, and Nowadays, there are all kinds of stylistic moves that are associated with hyperpop, um, such as the the pitched up vocals, uh, the sort of like memey aesthetic sensibility, um, the liberal use of auto tune. Um, but in my opinion, like if you've got a pop song with some loud fucked up sounds in it, you've got hyperpop. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I'm with you. There's plenty of hyperpop I've been listening to lately that doesn't incorporate as much uh, auto-tune and it's just straight up a pop punk song but mm-hmm. like those drums sound real fucked up <laughs> so. sure. and that's that's what we're looking for um <laughs> so where does this this like come out of right um like the range of different influences that uh are affect hyper pop today is so vast uh that digging into the entire history of the genre is like beyond the scope of this episode and also maybe impossible <laughs> um right i'm not yeah it's, uh, it's like it's like at this point it's like doing that for like rock yeah exactly um i think that like the earliest music that 
most people would agree is okay to retroactively call hyperpop um, is the music that's released by uh, A.G. Cook's label, uh, PC Music, starting around like 2013. Um, this is where you get artists like Hannah Diamond and like Danielle Harrell. Um, oh, Hannah Diamond rocks. Yep. And I, I just recently started listening to Hannah Diamond. Anyway, mm-hmm. <laughs> we can't um, go off on tangents on every artist because we'd be here all fucking day. But right. These are all artists we like. Yeah. Um, and they also frequently collaborate with Sophie. Um, you've probably heard Sophie's name before in hushed, reverent tones. I think yeah. a lot of people think of Sophie as like the the godmother of hyperpop. <laughs> um, Honestly, it, it's like a Christ-like figure. Yeah. Like, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so at the time, uh, like back in 2013, I, most people just called this t- style of music PC music after the, mm-hmm. you know, the uh, label. Um, but I've also seen terms like bubblegum bass thrown around. Um, there's a lot of different like subgenre names that have applied to this over the years. Um, mm-hmm. the, the early stuff is sort of characterized by this like, very glitzy sort of like progressive pop music with the industrial noise elements. Like if you listen to Sophie's uh, oil, oil of every pearls on insides, it has this like sort of sweeping prog rock kind of atmosphere to it. Um, And then eventually that style kind of filters into more mainstream acts. Uh, People like Charlie XCX who had been around for like a decade before she started making this type of music um, you know, Sophie and uh, Charlie XCX make Vroom Vroom, uh, which is an mm. EP they put out in, I think, like 2015. That's like a good early example of what would later become known as hyperpop. Um, and then, like I said, the modern uh, hyperpop ethos is pulling from a wide range of musical influences, mostly from like the past two decades. Um, this is including, but not limited to, pop punk and nightcore and dubstep and that thing from 2010 where there would be an EDM song with like a pop chorus on it and industrial <laughs> hip hop and trap and breakcore and just straight up like meme music. Um, all of these things have like an influence on hyper pop now. Uh, and just... and K- K-pop also is yeah. in there. Like we can, and we can sit here and name them for hours because like this, yeah. This mishmash of styles has become, like, a staple of the genre. Like, part of the hyperpop style is to incorporate lots of different stylistic elements and influences from, like, the past 20 years. Uh, <laughs> Mark, you have, a, you have a note here. Oh, I was just going to say, I don't listen to new music ever because I, uh, I find it boring most of the time, except for, like, the odd, like, hip-hop album i just i hadn't listened to new pop or like new like rock music or anything involving electric guitars mm-hmm. in so long because i thought it had all become so homogenous and boring um hyper pop in the past four years has like renewed my interest in music like yeah in, it's in general <laughs> we are it's <laughs> it renewed my faith that new music can be good yeah we are we are doing this episode because hyperpop makes us really excited yeah <laughs> like hyperpop uh gets my gets my brain going <laughs> uh mm-hmm. in ways that mm-hmm. are really uh fun I, um, I keep making these connections to like when you were talking about influences. I remembered the song "Prima Donna Girl" by uh, Marina and the Diamonds, and being like, "Oh man, like there's 
there's that little bit of Sophie influence on there. And then that was taken on, on this other thing. And just, and the way that like Lady Gaga fits into this, mm-hmm. it's, it's very interesting. I was going to say like the, the PC music stuff is kind of like generally recognized as like, you know, the, the forebearer for hyper pop, but like you can, you could say some of Lady Gaga's stuff was hyper pop. Oh, yeah. You could say Yeezus is a hyper pop album if you want to. <laughs> and I wouldn't argue with you. Um, um, it's it's Jesus Jesus is on the is on the playlist songs that would kill Prince Philip on the spot. <laughs> so I think that it deserves to be hyper pop. <laughs> right. Um, God. So I, OK, so how is how does 100 Gex fit into all of this? Uh, 100 Gex is a hyper pop duo consisting of Laura Less and Dylan Brady. Uh, both of them write and produce and sing on their tracks. Um, so 100 Gex do not invent hyperpop by any stretch uh nor are they even probably like the most popular hyperpop artist uh that's probably like one of the mainstream pop girls like charlie xcx or kim petrus um but the album a thousand gex which came out in 2019 um codifies a large number of tropes in the genre and the term hyperpop gets coined in the year after the release of that album um, and like the sound and the attitude and the style and the structure of a thousand gex is to be clear here up front before we, I say this a million more times, the band is a hundred gex. The album is a thousand gex. Got it. Cool. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's a good bit. This album, <laughs> this album is so influential on the genre that like, when you go and listen through any given hyperpop artist discography, when you get to 2019, you can hear their music change. Because A Thousand Gex came out and they were like, oh shit, I can make stuff like that? Fuck, <laughs> I'm gonna do that. Um, yeah, just, they're just, they have this moment of, what the fuck have I been doing? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we gotta, <laughs> we gotta turn it up. <laughs> um, you know, yeah, like, A Thousand Gex popularizes, like, the, the pop punk influence and just, like, the general sensibility that the genre is known for today. Um, and, like, the sound of that album is just, like, the template sound for every hyperpop album ever now, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, so what we're gonna do on this episode is we're going to talk through... Uh, some of the albums released by Laura Less and Dylan Brady uh, leading up to, during, and after A Thousand Gex and analyze them musically and thematically to hopefully help you understand why people like this weird-ass music so much or if you already like this weird-ass music, hopefully teach you some new things. Uh, And this will probably take several hours. Um, also, unlike the Kanye episode, I would say that, uh, we're going to be talking about more depressing albums near the front half of the episode rather than the back half. (laughs) Um, yeah, shit tends to, like, go in an upward, uh, trajectory in terms of, like, their lives (laughs) as opposed to Kanye West where, like, shit shit was really good and then kind of bad and then got good again and and then 2018 happens. Mm -hmm. Um... So yeah, as far as like uh, trigger warnings for this episode goes, we will be talking about gender dysphoria and depression and maybe some brief mentions of self-harm and suicidality. Yeah, just, you know, kind of mental health. Nothing as crazy as the Kanye episode where we like... (laughs) 
there's no there's there's no i thought about killing you i was i was yeah i was gonna make a joke and then i was like and no no there's nothing funny to say about that was that was an emotional experience the kanye episode was like an emotional experience for us to go through um this one hopefully won't be that uh that intense um so what we're gonna do here is we're gonna talk about some Laura Less solo albums, and then we're going to talk about some Dylan Brady solo albums, and then we're going to talk about some 100 Gex albums. Um, so the first album that we're going to talk about is called Hello Kitty Skates to the Fucking Cemetery. Um, it, it still makes me laugh every time I read that <laughs> album title. It's, it's so it's... good. Um, this was uh, released by Laura Less on her Bandcamp uh, on around like October 2016. Um at this point, Laura Less is not a particularly well-known artist. Uh, you know, she's putting stuff out on SoundCloud and Bandcamp. Um, a lot of her stuff from, like, before or around this time is, like, no longer officially available. Before we uh, recorded this episode, I told Mark, hey, I'm going to be... <laughs> I'm showing restraint here by not making you listen to the uh, 2015 Laura Less Noise Shoegaze album. <laughs> What was that called again? What's that uh, album called? It's called This Town Makes Me Sick Sometimes. There's a version of it on YouTube with like 9,000 views and like 600 of them are me. Anyway, <laughs> um, we're talking about Hello Kitty Skates to the Fucking Cemetery. Um, this is an extremely sparse album. Um, most of it just consists of guitar finger picking, uh, occasional harsh noise, uh, Laura's heavily edited vocals and then just like a constant howling wind sample. Um, the first two yeah. tracks on this album are like the proper songs. Um, and they both just consist of a very simple guitar riff that repeats through most of the track. Um, and these are the only two vocal tracks on the album. And then mm -hmm. through the last three tracks, uh, the guitar riffs are sort of warped and reinterpolated through these increasingly harsh noise elements. Um, there's some like piano that creeps in over time and the wind just keeps howling and then the album ends. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's awesome. <laughs> it's if, if you're having a hard time picturing this, well, short of listening to it, cause the thing's like 10 minutes long, but like the picture if the middle section of frank ocean's blonde was recorded with a budget of six hundred dollars <laughs> that's what this album sounds like god yeah um thematically uh so the the band cramp description of this album just says a bunch of songs about bodies heart emoji <laughs> um that's 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 all you need <laughs> uh yeah to be, uh, to be honest this is an album about being miserable and hurting yourself uh yeah. it, it 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 is just a feeling of just your body rotting from the inside out. Um, mm -hmm. The mm -hmm. the first thing that Laura Les says on this album is, I just held a candle to my fingers, smell it on my clothes because flesh lingers. It's not a... <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> it's not... Yeah, it's not a big positive vibe. It's definitely... Uh, it... it it is good at capturing the feeling of being in the headspace that the album is trying to uh, communicate with you, right? Um, it has a deeply lonely quality to it. Um, so I believe this was the first time that you had heard this album was for this podcast. So do you want to talk about a little bit about 
what your reaction to this was? Yeah, it's well, it's not at all what I expected it to sound like. Frankly, mm-hmm. I don't know what I was expecting. It's not a hyper pop album. It's not. No, it's it's not. It just has it just has auto tuned vocals, mm-hmm. and that's kind of the only like tenuous connection to and the fact that it's yeah. There's a noise track on it, but there is. It's yeah, it's true. But but it's not a pop album. It's no. it's it has the hyper, but it doesn't have the 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 pop. Um, but despite that, I found it really re-listenable kind of in a like kind of in a way that like some rap songs is re-listenable mm-hmm. uh it's not you know particularly catchy um but there's uh, there's there's something about it. yeah you described that that feeling about just like like rotten like misery mm-hmm. uh that um it is cathartic now that i'm not as much in a place of rotten misery uh that's um has occasionally plagued me for uh, months uh, in the past few years. Uh, that I remember, th- th- this this album sounds sounds like how that feels. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is a it is a like you can feel like your body and mind like depreciating, and you like feel like you're gonna like go crazy like when you're that depressed. Uh, damn, yeah, it's it's yeah, yeah it's but, being locked in a room this album actually reading these lyrics it is very yeah very dark but like uh, on on the flip side like musically like you know me i'm a simple bitch i like les motifs Mm -hmm. um and somehow even though there's only four like four songs this album that that fucking the the that like returns on like the last song i think in in just like uh and i was like oh like this is somehow like a very well actualized piece of music uh and it's so short i don't know man there's just there's so much artistry in this like tiny little thing yeah it's uh god uh this was like the earliest of laura less's stuff that i ever heard um at the time i don't think it stuck with me as much uh because i just wasn't as close to the music it was just like a thing i came across you know um, but man, this album makes me cry now. I, mm-hmm. I, I like when I re-listened to it for this podcast. I like put it on and then got in the shower and then just cried for like the duration of the album. Um, <laughs> there is just like an atmosphere of despair here that gets to me. Um, Laura sounds so exhausted. Like she sounds so tired and resigned to this state of misery. She, like, mumbles all of her lyrics on this, and it just, like, it, it, it it's just unnerving. It's really, really good. Um, I want to talk about, like, each of the songs on this. Uh, the first track is called Ditch a Body in the Laundry. Um, on this track, you get this guitar riff interspersed with, like, a constant hospital beep going off. Um and uh dylan brady uh appears on this track uh he takes the opening verse on the album this first track is my favorite one here and it's because of the way that like dylan comes in and he has these like incredible layered swirling vocals like these things the dylan's verse sounds like it's spinning around you um it's like a storm you know um and then he finishes and Laura starts singing and it's just this like quiet whispering dirge and the contrast between the two of them is so strong and it 
it just it hits me every time when she comes in on that i just held a candle to my fingers like i think about that constantly um the that juxtaposition between the two of their energies uh shows up way later on 800 decibel cloud mm -hmm. uh, which is really cool yeah yeah we're gonna get more of that this is this track is not the first time they have appeared together we'll talk about that later but it is one of the earliest uh tracks they've had together and even here you just can already start to see the way that they complement each other. It's it's really great. Um, and then there's uh, uh, Gone With a Knife, uh, which is the first Laura West song I ever heard. Uh, it was, uh, like, sent to me by my long-distance girlfriend at the time as, like, here's a song from some of my favorite songs to listen to, which is the ideal way to listen to a Laura West song for the first time. That is, that's yeah. the, I was, I was the intended <laughs> audience here. Yeah. Um... This, uh, this, she mostly just like is repeating herself here. It's almost like a trance, like she's just saying "Gone with the knife" over and over again. And then at one point on this song, it switches from her like pitched up, filtered, auto-tuned voice to like it just sounds like her singing into like a webcam mic, like just the shittiest microphone you've ever heard in your life. <laughs> right it's, um, it's the it's the garage band preset to make it sound like you're talking into a phone probably. yeah <laughs> <laughs> like it that had an, a profound effect on me the first time that i listened to this because i it did not occur to me that you could use that technology in that way right like okay yeah obviously like you put a low-pass filter on it to make it sound old in your lo-fi hip-hop song or whatever. That's cool. I know I was familiar with that. But using that effect to instead just make you feel like you're, like, sitting in an empty room by yourself, curled up on the floor, mumbling into a laptop, it... Yeah, I, I don't know how to make sounds like this. <laughs> it, the, it... The song evokes the feeling of, like, being on the phone with somebody at three in the morning yeah. and as they're, like, crying into the phone. It's, it's really, it, it really did something to me the first mm -hmm. time I heard it. And, and coming back to it now with, like, broader context of Laura Less and her artistic career, it's, like, it's a powerful moment. It's really, it's really something. Um... And then you get into the the noise tracks. Um, I mostly want to talk about Cemetery 4 here. Um, Cemetery 4 is like this just pounding noise track that goes on for like two minutes. Um, and I want to talk a little bit about like what does noise do? Um, so like I'm going to talk about the microphones a little bit. Um, I'm going to talk about the album, The Glow Part 2. Um, so, like, I, before, like, three or four years ago, I was not somebody that had any interest or understanding of what noise music was or why you would listen to it. Um, that, it was just, like, that was nonsense to me. I did not understand why anyone would, would enjoy something like that, right? Um, and the first album that made me understand what that can do was The Glow Part 2 by The Microphones, which is, like, half a, like, folk album and half a noise album. Um, and there's a moment on that album where there's just, like, 
increasingly harsh and industrial sounds grow over the course of like four or five minutes. And then at one point the noise stops and there's an acoustic guitar chord. And that acoustic guitar chord was like the most beautiful thing I had ever heard in my life. Right. Um, And that was like a, that was like a light bulb moment for me of like, Oh, that is one of the things that noise can do. Yes. You, when you, slam your head against the wall it feels pretty good to stop right um and there's yeah. a lot of other things that noise can do and we'll talk about some of those things as we as we go through here but um on this album hello kitty skates to the fucking cemetery um you have this like long pounding noise track that goes on and on and on and just gets more intense and more intense and more intense and then it stops and when it stops like you like it's like all of the endorphins like rush into your body at once (laughs) it's it's amazing yeah it's yeah it's quite a moment i i again also wasn't expecting that here there's there's it's well a a thing you were talking about how noise like it feels good when it stops it's like good noise tracks can make it keep you on the edge of like is are we going to get a reprieve or mm-hmm. or, or will they not show us mercy <laughs> they're just gonna and they're just gonna fucking destroy our ears for the entire rest of this duration but uh, yeah it's it's it comes at like exactly the right moment yeah it's it's fantastic um and then very briefly um the last track on this album is called there are a lot of things wrong but i don't hate the world only myself maybe uh which is a great title um and also you get like that's the start of that track is when the catharsis starts like that's when it's like okay like we're gonna bring a little lighter elements back in we're gonna like let the guitar breathe a little bit we're gonna like give you a reprieve from the noise like the album is sort of like working through these very dark feelings and then gives you some release at the end. Like it doesn't end on the noise track. It doesn't end on the loudest possible, most intense, most, you know, sort of evocative of, of, of that rotten feeling moment. It ends on this moment of like release with, with the guitars um, and the piano and stuff. And I really like that. I think it's really effective. I'll also say that um, the the extremely long uh, song title is also uh, I'm also gonna credit that to pop punk and say that <laughs> that's an intentional callback to yeah. so, like songs like Panic at the Disco's uh, 2005 hit. There's a reason these tables are numbered, honey. You just haven't heard about it yet. <laughs> yep, I think I love that trope. I'm not even like a big pop punk person, yeah. but that's one of the. <laughs> That's one of the most solid bits that's come out of the genre for sure. Uh, yeah, there's a the song "Lying is the most fun a girl can have without taking her clothes off," and then <laughs> yeah. there's an intermission, and then the next uh, song is called "But It's Better If You Do." <laughs> <laughs> Good lord. Um, okay, awesome. uh, we're gonna move on because we have many albums to talk about today. Yeah. Um, let's talk about. I just don't want to name it anything with beach in the title. <laughs> Fucking banger. Holy shit. Three this album. bangers, three bangers in a row, man. This is, this is, this, this is where some of the seeds start to get planted is on this album. Uh, this is, uh, this is another Lorelei solo album. This comes out like about a year later, later yeah. in August of 2017. Um, this is a three track EP. Um, it has a much more goofy kind of off the wall vibe than Hello Kitty Skates to the fucking cemetery does, uh, while still dealing with a lot of the same themes. 
Um, this is also, this album is like an early example of the like slapstick quality that Gex later becomes known for. Um, the album is using a lot of cartoonish sound effects that yeah. give the whole thing a like kind of an ironic vibe. This is one of the first places that we hear heavy use of the dog bark sample, <laughs> like the shitty Yamaha dog bark sound, um, like acting at like acting as like a beat played over loud stock air horns. That's the kind that's, of album this is. That's um, so important. That 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 vibe is so crucial to. It really is. Uh, it, it really does separate Gex from stuff like Sophie, etc. Yeah, it's um. There's there's like there's less of a noise element here. It's it's almost like Neil Cicierga type vibes. Yeah, this. they're they're pop songs. Yeah, it's the first time that 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 she put out a collection of uh, ostensibly pop songs. But yeah, her vibe um, on them. Yeah, the songs are just kind of like very simple, almost like folksy type mm -hmm. songs uh with like acoustic guitar over like the shittiest trap beats you've ever heard <laughs> just just dog shit uh <laughs> um there's trap beats i could make <laughs> yeah really um so like if hello titty skates to the fucking cemetery is an album that is sort of speaking about dysphoria in this sort of detached metaphorical poetic kind of way right mm -hmm. uh this album is just like addressing it directly in no uncertain terms um yeah i've never i've never seen i've never seen a song uh express themes of gender dysphoria so explicitly with words yeah i'm just gonna read like a quick passage from uh how to trust how to dress as human which is the opening track of this album uh it goes how to dress as human what, like a skirt and like some heels? Now I look stupid. Is this how every human feels? Better go with Vans. I'm never going to pass. I should stay home. Why did I make plans? <laughs> like, it's, um... She, yeah. Laura is speaking very openly about gender here in a way that she generally does not do in a lot of her other work. Um, like, it, it is addressing these issues head on rather than, uh, you know, sort of... The previous album is trying to express what it feels like to be going through a dysphoric episode. Um, and this album is just like talking about it with your friends while you're drinking, you know? It's yeah, yeah. It This album is less explaining the feeling of having those. It's, le it's less, ex it's, it's explaining like explicitly what are the symptoms, basically. <laughs> like just out loud. It's almost like reading a fucking... Like yeah, it's this, like reading a diary entry. Like fuck, I'm never gonna pass. Fuck. Yeah, this this album is, is like getting the 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 uh, the one pager from your doctor. That's like symptoms of gender dysphoria. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's so funny. It's it's so fucking apt. Oh man. Uh, yeah, I think this was also a, a new listen for you for this podcast. So how did yeah. you, how'd you feel about this one? Uh, this shit's awesome. Uh, this is <laughs> this is never shout never for gay people. <laughs> <laughs> It's, uh, man, yeah, it's just, there is, there is 2000s oozing out of this thing, man. It's, uh, it, it's gotta be one of the first, like, historical examples of a hyperpop artist doing, like, the pop punk thing, complete with, like, the, the, the power chords and the, and the, the, the shitty vocal effects and the, the, like, rudimentary, uh, acoustic guitar, like, Almost oblig 
almost obligatory acoustic guitar ballad that's in the middle of every uh, <laughs> pop punk artist's album. Yeah, this is a, this is a three chords in the truth ass album. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, yeah. I I mean, as a Bright Eyes fan, this it it spoke to me very deeply. Um, it's the <laughs> yeah, it, it it rules, man. I I um. I, the the there's there's a song i mean we'll talk about the individual songs probably as well but there's a there's a moment on darkest part of day uh that does the fallout boy thing of oh that lyric was supremely depressive but i barely know it's because the music sounds like smiley face emoji <laughs> uh it's yeah. it, it's a very pete wentz fucking influenced album yeah uh, it's it's you, it's great <laughs> yeah and and you you even get a little bit of the like uh of the like tenderness on this album like mm-hmm. the first two songs are the like sad girl uh <laughs> dysphoric episode songs and then the last one is like the the, the line i always think about for the last song is uh uh i'm your little misfit and you're my little dipshit <laughs> <laughs> it's that kind of vibe um and it's very cute um which is kind of something that will like extend into the broader gex ethos as you go that sort of like cutesy romantic type thing um oh yeah big time yeah, yeah god i uh <laughs> I didn't like get hooked on Laura's music when I listened to this album, but it sure did do something to me when I heard it for the first time. Um, at the time, like this was one of the first pieces of art that I had ever encountered that spoke about gender dysphoria and the experience of being uncomfortable trying to pass in such explicit terms. And like specifically, like it's this deep fear of expressing femininity wrong and facing Mm. social consequences for it. Um, You know, the way she says, like, what, like a skirt and, like, some heels is in this very, like, tepid kind of way. It, the the way she sounds, like, scared to try to even present that is just, like, I just hadn't ever seen anything that was willing to talk about that feeling in these sort of, like, no-nonsense terms that this Mm -hmm. album does. Um... And got not the fact that the song is called "How to Dress as Human," not just girl, not woman. How to dress as human, um, I think, is something that a lot of us as transgender individuals can deeply relate to. It's beyond like, how do I pass as this gender? It's just like, how do I even, how do I even tr- make people think that I'm something even close to a normal person? <laughs> Yeah, when when she's saying like I'm never gonna pass, I'm never gonna pass. It's, it yeah, it's like she's saying I'm never gonna pass as normal. Like I'm never gonna pass as acceptable mm-hmm. uh, in a way that both satiates my goblin brain and also the world around me. Like that's not possible, and that's the frustration there. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's incredible. Uh, and and on that note, I I kind of want to talk about um, the pitched vocals in this um As, so this is a point i'd never thought about until you brought it up this is okay yeah this is like <laughs> this is one of my big hyper pop theories right um <laughs> that i think about a lot is like this is, okay this is big brain shit i love this so up to this point we have heard laura less singing and she generally is pitching her voice up in some way um on this album, it takes on a deeply mocking and ironic quality, you know? Um, and I mean, like, Laura Les has said in interviews more than once, like, 
yeah, she pitches up her voice because she doesn't like it, you know, um, which again, most of us can understand and relate to. Um, but because this album has this sort of like, like the songs are almost like a joke, you know, like she's playing these like dog shit samples over them. And like, she's the, the lyrics are very sort of simple and almost like childish here. Um, the vocals being pitched up takes on this quality of like, fuck you for wanting this from me. Here it is. Here's my voice. Here's my passing voice. Here it is for you. Isn't it so good? Um, and then because of the later success of a hundred Gex, this just like becomes like a hyper pop stylistic trope. Um, and obviously there are a lot of trans femme hyper pop artists who are doing it for the same reasons that Laura Less is, but it's just so interesting to me how on this album, the, the vocal pitch is like, you know, is like an ironic statement about gender dysphoria. And now it's just like, that's the hyper pop thing, <laughs> you know, that's just what the songs sound like. It's sort of been like, yeah, yeah uh swallowed up into just like a stylistic choice um and that everybody does um it's it's i i after you said that i re-listened to uh bozo 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 and the way that that just goes back and forth between uh between their normal like bozo 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 like just like kind of like low-ish mid-range voice to you're an idiot like doing the stylistic pitched up thing Mm -hmm. i mean underscore is also trans but like (laughs) that it, it's 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 just it's such a stylistic thing and it's just become a trope and it's it's very funny how that happens yeah it's 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 strange um god uh let's talk about big summer jams yeah big summer jams easily <laughs> easily a, a full album that i've heard <laughs> uh mark forgot that we were supposed to listen to this one but she listened to some of them so we're going to talk about it anyway because it's an important album. Yeah. big summer yes. jams 2018 Another Laura Less solo album released in August of 2018. Um, this is like the first hyper-pop album I got really into. These previous albums we were talking about are not really hyper-pop albums. Hello Kitty Scapes to the Fucking Cemetery is like an emo noise album. And <laughs> and uh, I just don't want to name it anything with Beach in the title is like like a shit post. It's, yeah, it's, it's never show, never for gay people. <laughs> Which is which is not necessarily a genre. <laughs> um, this is this is this is the first hyper pop album I think that we're going to be talking about in in earnest. Um, so this is like a six track album. Uh, Laura is mostly producing here and taking occasional uh, verses, but mostly letting people, uh, mostly letting features do the verses here. Um, this is. A much more traditional pop album than anything else we've talked about. Uh, this is like mixing really smooth house synthesizers with like trap drums, and then there's just occasional moments of wild harsh noise. Uh, and also, the album ends with like a five minute guitar solo. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't want to say it's like shockingly well produced, but in the context, what I've heard from this album, I listened to half of it. What I've heard from this album compared to uh, her other first two albums is it's it is 
Like, it's the kind of thing of like, oh, I didn't know she had this in her, but yeah. she definitely does. It's, it's not that the first two albums are bad, but they're very simple and they're very DIY sounding. Uh-huh. Um, exactly. This is, the, the sound starts to mature quite a bit on this album. Not entirely, <laughs> um, right. but it starts to mature a little bit here. Um, and uh, th- this is a sort of a significant album as well, because a lot of the people that appear on this album will later show up on a thousand gex and the tree of clues people mm-hmm. like lil west and 99 jakes God, um, lil west fucks yep <laughs> sure does uh and dylan brady also makes an appearance here on uh, a track called feels good um in terms of like themes this 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 is this one is absolutely like a cheesy relationship drama album and it's beautiful like everybody is just doing being their best possible sad boy on this album it is it's a real degrassi episode of an album yeah it's it's a it's a texting your ex ass album oh man so Obviously, you didn't get a chance to listen through all of these, but what was sort of your impression of the sound of this album coming off of it? Uh, it's uh, the this is where, you know, this is it's it's weird. I kind of because I had not delved that deep into Laura Less's stuff uh, before doing this podcast episode. Besides, like Haunted and the the, the really widely available stuff. Um, but I had listened to a lot of Dylan Brady and a lot of work that Dylan Brady had done with other artists like Charlie, uh, like Dorian Electra. Um, I was under this like incorrect impression that 100 Gex was like, oh, Dylan like does like the bulk of, if not like most of the like production side of things. And Laura's like writing the songs and doing a lot of the melodic stuff and like, the singing and stuff that's like not the case at all because like (laughs) laura is also can also make big pop songs the way that dylan can i i i i don't know where that assumption came from i don't i don't know i think it's just because i just wasn't as familiar and i didn't know and i'd only heard a couple of her shit posts Mm -hmm. before this but like but like this shit is like powerful and really good and uh (laughs) very like fun to listen to like it the the title like big summer jams like these are big summer they jams. are big summer jams yeah, yeah like like i said this was like the first hyper pop album i ever really got into and i think it's largely because it's like really accessible for a hyper pop album yes and i love accessibility with albums is like like if it's hard for me to get into something musically it's it's i like have a very hard time with it which is yeah. why which is why like i I don't listen to new music because it's just like if I'm if I'm not immediately like hooked but like I'll often like put on the second song of an album and skip halfway through to see like if I like because like uh-huh. I'm just in in my head I'm like okay this is where this this is where it's gonna get going so <laughs> yeah. like I'm, is it gonna be worth it for me to listen to this intro uh, <laughs> but like you I, no I get it I also do this you, you do that too right you, yeah I, I'm not I'm not crazy this is a yeah, thing that people no, do it's like it's it's the check of just like is this gonna be even the type of thing that i'm looking for right now no i i Um, absolutely did that with underscores and i and i was like oh fuck wait 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 hold on let me listen to this whole thing (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah like i think that if you're somebody that likes more traditional pop music or likes more traditional hip-hop like listen to big summer jams 2018 Mm -hmm. if you're interested in maybe getting into hyper pop i think this is a really good album for easing yourself into the genre 
because uh, obviously, like, the noise moments happen. There's noise on this album. Uh, but a lot of the songs here could be played on the radio and no one would notice. Like, the album has a smoothness to it that is pretty unique to this album in terms of Laura's stuff. Um, it's, it is sort of like a glimpse into her saying, like, yeah, I could make traditional radio pop anytime I wanted to. I could, I could do yeah. this shit no problem. <laughs> um, like, there, songs like The River and Being On Your Own on here would not sound on, out of place on, like, a 2010s pop playlist. Um, it's, it's kind of impressive how she's able to just step into that role. Um, and I, I, I think that, like, if you're able to get past, like, the somewhat goofy vibe of this album, like, there is still... A lot of air horn samples on this album. The first song is literally called Pirate, and it uses <laughs> harpsichord samples, and it is a rap song about being a pirate, or at least metaphorically about being a pirate and having a girlfriend or breaking up with your girlfriend, maybe. It rules. Um, this is ye years <laughs> before DaBaby would come out with pirate beats. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, I think a lot of people could get into this album. Um... That said, let's talk about fucking Hell Yeah, Brother. Um, oh, man. Hell Yeah, Brother is the name of a track on this album. Um, it is constantly switching between Lil West doing this, like, Kid Cudi type thing, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, it's, like, this very, like, smooth, groovy, uh, like, auto-tuned, like, vibey sort of, like, hip-hop mm -hmm. R&B mm -hmm. song. And then, like, <laughs> every, like, 16 to 64 bars, it switches into being, like, an industrial screamo song. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the, it's, it's the Yeezus influence. <laughs> yeah, like, this, this song, like, encapsulates the beautiful things that hyperpop can do, <laughs> you know? Where, like, you can have just, like, like, Lil West is just, like, fucking floating on this beat. It's, like, so chill and so smooth. And then Girls Rituals comes in, and she's just, like, screaming at the top of her lungs about how much she hates her ex-girlfriend. <laughs> and it's just, like... It was a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. It... It... it, it I didn't... I didn't consider that a song like this could exist before I started listening to Hyperpop. Yeah, you, you know, because, like, you listen to dubstep, and it's like, okay, well, we're here for the drop, so the rest of it's just gonna be a build-up to the drop, so it's all kind of a symbiotic relationship, build-up and then drop, but this is like, no, there, it's this isn't a drop, and there's not build-up, it's just, there's gonna be a really loud, different part now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it breaks it breaks the rules in such a wonderful way. Yeah, it is, it is like, okay, I am going to... <laughs> I am going to eat this bowl of ice cream, and then I am going to eat several hot peppers. <laughs> yeah, it's a baseball through a window. <laughs> it's it's fucking awesome. Yeah. Um, uh, feels good is a is another track on here. Um, it, this is technically not a a hundred gex track, but it might as well be. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um, this mm -hmm. is Laura Less and Dylan Brady doing a hyper pop song together. One of the first times we have ever gotten that. Um, and this is where it really starts feeling like they're kind of starting to put together, like, what it is that they are going to be as a musical unit. Um, like, the song itself is solid. It's, like, fine. It's not, like, incredible. Um, but they're getting it here. Like, they're starting to 
they're starting to piece together what the Gex thing is. The song has like a, a like dubstep drop after the chorus that's like that it has like a happy hardcore kind of vibe. It's like super chipper. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I think that's they're they're starting to get like oh that's the thing that that that's the thing we can do together that's quite powerful. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it's a sugary dopamine rush type of thing that mm-hmm. they that only they can whip up together. Yeah, uh, fucking Laura's like uh. Kanye 808s and heartbreaks fucking humming on this song like the yeah, the yeah. beginning of this song is like you know Dylan Dylan like does a little uh does a little hook and then it cuts back and forth between him and Laura just doing this like like 12 track layered humming that's just like filtered to all shit and it sounds amazing <laughs> Um, that sound was like one of the things that hooked me on this album. Just that, that noise of Laura humming, just like grinded up as much as possible. I, I love it. It's so good. Um, and then there's the fucking, and then there's the fucking Sega Dreamcast song at the end. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is, uh, this is, um, yeah, this, this is, a, this is the crazy taxi of, yeah. of the album. It's a, it is, it is a Sonic Adventure ass fucking super monkey ball ass song <laughs> Dude, um, it yeah it's 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 like yeah blue sky game design mm-hmm. is like a word i think but it's that but for like a, a song yeah it's so this is like a 10 minute track uh like instrumental track at the end of the album um that starts off as just like this like kind of uh like almost like chip tune kind of vibe like it's not chip tune but it kind of has that sort of like right little toy box kind of vibe to it um and then like five minutes into this song laura less just starts like shredding guitar (laughs) and this is like the only time we ever really have gotten to hear her do this on like any of her released music like she plays the guitar on a lot of her stuff but usually it's just like she's gonna play like a little finger picking riff to go under it or like she's playing big chords on a chorus or something this is the first time we get to hear like laura less play like a rock guitar solo yeah. <laughs> it's fucking amazing you can you can hear the you can hear the influence of like you know because because i was this too it's just like you can hear the the kid learning the um learning the entire like guitar solo from a mars volta song uh, through <laughs> ultimate dash guitar.com tabs like you can hear that in the music here it's yeah it, it th- like all of laura's music up to this point has like a sort of stilted quality to it that's very charming um and i think that becomes less and less of a thing as she as she like improves her chops as a producer, but these early albums for her, like, you know, they're, they're, they're a little shitty in a way that's awesome. <laughs> you know, like yes. I, I say that with like love in my heart for these albums. I think they're excellent. Um, but they're, they're a little grimy. They're a little DIY, you know? Um, and, and that, that kind of goes away, uh, over time. Um, Mark, would you like to talk about some Dylan Brady albums? Dylan Brady is a person who has Kurt Cobain hair and <laughs> has now ironically adopted a Kurt Cobain personality. Um, I love I think... him. He's a weird. He's a weird little man. 
God, yeah. I, I, I guess briefly to visually describe a hundred gex, both of them like Loreless is like this grimy goblin girl, and Dylan Brady is like this fucking if like a cigarette was a person, and both of them have like long stringy blonde hair, and they're usually performing in like wizard costumes. <laughs> D- Dylan, um, God, D- Dylan is the 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 stoner uh who sits behind you in high school math class and he's either really friendly and like he's friends with everyone because he's chill with everyone or he's like drinking Everclear out of a water bottle uh and secretly is drunk by lunchtime uh and then throws <laughs> up in the bathroom and and then has to run the mile uh, he, he's, he's with the pajama pants. He's with the cookie monster pajama pants girl walk, walking the mile. They're, uh, <laughs> they're eating Oreos. Uh, they're, he's, he's wearing, he's wearing that one hoodie. The, the one that's like, that like looks like a burlap sack and, <laughs> Like okay, like no. we don't know the we do not know Laura Lass and Dylan Brady personally, but these are like these are the stage personas that they sort of had. And Dog Show, the album that we're gonna talk about, is like the music that that kid would be listening to when he's getting drunk in math class. Dude, oh my god, I need to talk about Dog Show so bad. Okay, holy shit. All right, so who the fuck is Dylan Brady at this point? This album comes out in February of 2017. Um. Dylan Brady is like a SoundCloud rap producer, uh, making weird beats mostly. Um, he is a pretty prolific producer. Like, you go around and find old shit that he's made all the fucking time. Like, dude has been around for a while, just kind of quietly producing tracks mostly. Um, he's released a pretty decent industrial hip-hop album with a bunch of features on it, uh, called All I Ever Wanted in 2015. It's alright. Um... And before Dog Show, the album we're about to talk about, he's also put out Choker, uh, which is a very similar album. Uh, But we're going to talk about Dog Show because I like it more. (laughs) Um, So Dog Show is a five-track EP. Um, Every single track on this album uses the exact same instrumentation. Um, There are grimy synth bass notes. There is an extremely crunchy electric guitar. There are heavily filtered acoustic drums, and there is Dylan Brady screaming at the top of his lungs. Um, the songs on this album have, like, a slow, like, driving groove to them. Uh, and it's it's basically like a pop-punk album slowed down and put through a wood chipper. <laughs> it's the sound of this thing. Um, and thematically, uh, it's like an entire album about being a teenager and having terrible sex and going to awful parties. Yep. <laughs> like... There's a song in this album about accidentally coming on someone's mom's couch. Like, that's <laughs> that's the kind of material we're working with on this one. Uh, Dylan Brady really on that pathetic boy Cora on this album. Yeah. <laughs> please, please spare some coochie. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I, I understand you've been listening to this one a little bit lately. Have you been, how do you feel about Dog Show? Yeah, well, um both of the both of the Dylan Brady albums that we're going to talk about I um I got into much earlier than the Laura Lest uh, solo stuff mostly d- due to the nature of this being on Spotify and Laura Lest's stuff not being on Spotify yeah. 
Um, it's unfortunate. And you were looking for you were looking for pop punk influenced hyper pop stuff, and I was like, you gotta check out these Dylan Brady solo. Uh, yeah, yeah, I wanted I wanted to hear some guitars, yeah. uh, <laughs> which which exist on the Laura stuff, but not in the same way as this. Uh, yeah, there's yeah this thing um damn this thing is it's it's five tracks but like they total up to what eight and a half minutes mm-hmm. i mean we we already talked about like how grimy it sounds it sounds like a like a bad hookup uh and <laughs> uh the the music that it feels like this album should be played it should be played through like a a 90s sedan uh like speaker that's connected to your ipod with like the tape cassette connector <laughs> yeah the thing where like you have to like tune a radio you one of those in, or like oh, man. <laughs> yeah. there's there's gonna be people listening to this that don't know that that was a thing yeah. there was a thing where you you plug a little nub into your ipod and set it to a radio station like night like 88.1 and then you set your car radio to 88.1 and it broadcasts it. It's not even Bluetooth. It's mm-hmm. just, f- fuck. Yeah, this, this album sounds like that. <laughs> it sounds like that. Yeah, it's a bunch of, like, d- tiny, short, like, like depressive-sounding rock songs uh, with uh, very muffled uh, lyrics. But when you look them up, it's like, oh, shit. Um, <laughs> this, this, is, this is very angsty um yeah yeah it's uh god this is one of my favorite albums of all time i won't lie (laughs) i won't lie um god the way this fucking this way this fucking album just grinds on your ears is so satisfying it feels so good to listen to this album physically like it's like it releases like the tension in my shoulders when i listen to dog show dylan brady takes this simple idea like every song in this album is like sonically the same it is like timbrely the same and he just squeezes every last drop of emotion that he can possibly get out of those sounds um particularly on the the final track uh, which is called my first time again just just a just a song about having garbage high school sex um there's a point during that song when like the chorus hits and dylan brady just starts screaming at the top of his lungs and it's like some of the most emotionally impactful music i've ever heard like he just put his fucking soul into like like the vocal performance on this album he is just screaming his fucking heart out it's so good it's so fucking good um god uh i want to talk about 127 hours in bed which is my favorite track on this album that's um, also my favorite track on the album yeah it's like it's it's like this slow groove kind of vibe and he's just it just exemplifies really well like the good uncomfortable feelings of this album the hook on this album is him just saying tell me if we go all night can i put my hand in your mouth over and over again and it feels so fucking gross (laughs) in a way that's like so effective because it yeah, yeah I, I remember being this uncomfortably horny when I was mm-hmm. 17. Yeah, it takes you back to just being, like, sweaty and anxious and uncomfortable and needing to fuck. And, like, yeah. it's, it's really effective. I think this song is also maybe the first instance of, like, the Dylan Brady ad-lib sound that I don't think I can replicate with my voice. Like... I'm not gonna try. <laughs> it's like that, that noise that he makes. You know what I'm talking yeah. about? <laughs> that this song is like the first time I think he ever did it, 
And I that that shit gets me pumped. Every time he makes that weird ass fucking sound before a drop, it gets me like I, I get my juices start going. It's great. Mm-hmm. God, um, yeah. Please check out Dog Show. Dog Show's fucking awesome. They're, like I, I can't say much more about it. It's all the same shit, but it's so good. It just, ugh, it feels so good. Um, God, let's talk about Peace and Love. Uh, this is an album released a year later by Dylan Brady. Uh, this comes out in October of 2018. This is another six-track album. Most of these albums we listen to are pretty short. L- literally, you could probably listen to all of the albums we listen to for this in a shorter amount of time than you could listen to the podcast. <laughs> Almost definitely. Yeah, the only long album on here is Tree of Clues, and that's only yeah. 50 minutes long. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, it's it's nothing compared to the fucking, like, entire day of music listening I had to do for the fucking Kanye episode. Um, uh, yeah. So, yeah, Peace and Love. Uh, this one is really Dylan Brady just throwing ideas at the wall and seeing what sticks. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, like, he he hits on some concepts here that he is going to expand upon later in his career. Um, one minute on this album, you're listening to, like, drone pop the next you're listening to like a Weezer song. The next you're listening to like a Vocaloid dance track. Um, it's it's definitely a precursor to the Gex like kitchen sink album style where they're like pulling out a lot of different, uh, you know, genre influences. Um, and then of course, in, in, in true pop punk fashion, this is mostly an album of like nonsense, lovesick bullshit songs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like the, the, the album has like a, a, a melancholic sort of nostalgic quality to it. Uh, that is very appealing, but the, the songs are not particularly deep on this one. Um, <laughs> look what I made for you. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, it's just, just talking about walking through the park and yeah. having, uh, talking to girls and shit like it's, it's just one of those, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I hear that you're a big fucking fan of this album. This is a good album to put on repeat while you grind Halo Infinite PvP. <laughs> anecdotally i've been told and by that i mean i did that for like six hours one day uh i was i was in the fucking groove just like yeah i listen it's weird to be listening to this album and not hear triple kill (laughs) like that just became part of the album for me enemy flag taken (laughs) oh man yeah it's this it's 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 an album filled with little moments and each song is its own like vignette into a different <laughs> genre each song is like this is like it's like it's like we found dylan's like old laptop and just posted like six completely different songs from yeah. like over the course of a decade that he had been half making yeah and none of them sound finished really but like they don't sound unpolished the way that like some of the older stuff does they sound polished they just these are like half finished ideas in different genres it's it's got some of like the abrasive qualities of dog show um but it makes like dream pop out of it um and i just feel like that's a big strength of dylan's uh, particularly his vocal style just like makes things sound like dreamy something yeah. about the way that he like hovers above like or he he like he mixes he does a really good job of doing this thing which i heard first from anthony green of Sausen and circus survive he was like, he's like, I as a vocalist want my, I think of my voice as an instrument in the band, just the way that a guitar or a bass is. 
and this whole album does that well like sometimes you can't tell what the fuck he's saying but it's just mixed into the synths in a way that makes the vocals be the only thing that has like movement over the top of the (laughs) (laughs) and yeah which is specifically key of c obviously but man yeah this is it's really unique and then of course uh the there's 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 that Weezer song on there, uh, which we'll, we'll talk about. Um, but yeah, it's just like like he'll just take a bass riff that's like, oh, this is a funky ass bass riff. Let me take fifteen different synths and also play the <laughs> and also play that same riff with it. Yeah, I um, God, yeah, Key of C is. <laughs> KFC, which is the first track on this album, has just got to be one of the greatest openings to an album of all time. <laughs> um, it's like it's like opening with like a big sliding electric guitar chord, but instead it's with like a drone synth. Like the opening of this album <laughs> is that just like big brow, brow, like yeah, yeah, yeah. effect. Um, and then it goes into this like slow driving dream pop song with just this like loud synth drone playing in the background. Um, yeah, like I said, you know, he's throwing a lot of ideas at the wall in this one, and not all of them hit for me, but the ones mm-hmm. that do hit, hit pretty hard. Um, I especially love anytime Dylan is just like, here's a cool fucking synth riff I came up with. That's going to be the whole song. Yeah. I'm going to build everything on top of this, this like, four-bar loop that's just going to go for the entire track. Um, and he later, like, uses that style as the basis for uh, Cake Pop 2, which is, like, a super group album that he put out uh, last year. Um, that's that's some of my favorite Dylan Brady stuff. There's two tracks like that on here. Key of C is like that. And then the last track, um, uh, Of Course, of course I, I Still I, Love yeah, You. Yeah. yeah, it's just, like, Of Course I Still Love You has this, like, like, really garbage sounding like synthesizer bass on it <laughs> yeah like it's it's like the it's like the setting for slap bass that he just yeah. like, bow, bow, it's like a, bow, bow. yeah it's like a midi <laughs> slap bass that he like warps and wobbles it's it's great. so fucking I love that. good um yeah do you want to briefly talk about uh i'll make you miss me all the time before we move on from this album yeah he the you could change nothing about this song except substitute his vocals and have rivers cuomo sing it and it would be indistinguishable from a weezer song (laughs) that came out in 1996 indistinguishable it is this is a good thing to you oh yeah yeah, yeah. i I should say i'm a a, i unfortunately uh for all of us i'm a weezer fan you are a Um, weezer apologist one might say i'm a weezer apologist listen i like (laughs) I like f- three, four Weezer albums. Um, occasionally, every 18 albums they put out, one of them is good. So there's about four <laughs> good albums. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this fucking song, everything down to the the verses, the chorus, the the way that it's the way that it's in three, four, the way that the, the same way that like songs like L.A. Girls is in three, four. Uh, you could. It's, they made a Weezer song. It's just Weezer. And, and none of the other songs in this album sound like this, like, no. at all. He has um, never made another song like it since. <laughs> it's, it's just, I, I, I can't stress it enough that if, if you change literally nothing about it and just have Rivers sing it, it's a Weezer song. I, I just, I needed to point that out. <laughs> oh, man. Um, cool. Uh, it's time for us to start talking about 100 Gex. 
get, uh, get, 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 the, get, the get. self-titled EP 100 Gex by the hyperpop duo 100 Gex. Um, so this album actually comes out before all of the other albums we've talked about, but I wanted to talk about the Gex albums together, so we're going we're gonna to talk about it here. This comes mm-hmm. out in July of 2016, a little bit before so- Laura starts putting out some of that solo stuff. Um, this is an album that mostly alternates between, like, cute toy box-like pop songs and ear-splitting noise. <laughs> um... <laughs> I mean, like, literally, like, every song has, like, a first part where it's, like, a light pop song, uh, like, similar vibes to I Just Don't Want to Name It Anything with Beach in the title. Like, this sort of, when I say toy box quality, I mean, like, everything sounds like it's coming out of, like, a little piano toy. (laughs) Like, it's it's very Fisher-Price soundy, you know? Um, And then it transitions into these, like, loud industrial noise segments. Um, There is liberal use of the dog bark sample here and the air horn and other just, like, goofy shit. I I counted for it, and every song on this EP has the dog bark. Yeah, the dog bark is more prominently featured here than it has been on any other album. Like, this is the the, the big moment for the Yamaha dog bark sample in popular culture. Um, yeah, and this is the first time I think that we really get a taste of the 100 Gex sensibility that they're, like, now famous for. Um, this is an album that speaks about depression in, like, this very flippant, jokey, detached kind of way. Um, there's a lot of references to drinking Red Bull and smoking weed and being a shitty friend and lying in bed all day. Um, it's, it's American suburban malaise. It's millennial depression core, right? It's this sort of like, let's be honest, like white, queer, Mm -hmm. like lower middle class-ish, uh, sort of ethos, uh, that I think has made them quite popular. Um, and I think we have quite a bit to talk about with this particular album. So, uh, how do you, how do you feel about this one? Is this, is this an album you listen to a lot? Uh, it is. Um, well, it's one that I had heard before. I, I, I like have gone through like my phases with this thing. I like just, just like didn't like it when I first heard it years back uh, when I was first listening to 1000 Gex and very into it. And I went back and was like, oh, this is just kind of like 1000 Gex, but shittier. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, which is not untrue, but <laughs> <laughs> but it's it, it has I, its own charms. Yes, I, sure. I see the value of it now and I see the why the differences are interesting instead of mm-hmm. just bad. If you go into this after hearing newer Gex stuff, you expect something cohesive because like it has the Gex name on it, but it's not like that at all. It's like shitty and weird and loud, just like their solo stuff. Um, but I found there's something like addictive about it. Like it, something about this EP it's, it, we talked about it earlier, about the catharsis of getting through the harsh noise and the dog mm-hmm. barks uh, to get to like, the really like beautiful hooks and like the moments where Laura Les goes Laura Les mode, um, uh, like, uh, like on bloodstains. Um, it's a satisfying feeling. And I think that this one, yeah, this is maybe the album throughout this whole, like getting ready for this episode. This is the one I listened to the most, Mm -hmm. even though it was one that I was already kind of familiar with just cause it, I, I was able to appreciate it, uh, in, in a different way this time. Yeah, I I do think that um, the songs on this album definitely feel a little thin. 
I would say, mm-hmm. compared to the later Gex stuff. Like, there is one or two less sounds happening at all times than there are on the later albums. Um, like, a verse on this album might be sung over, like, a single synth line or, like, a single bass line. It's, it's, it's kind of sparse in that way. Yeah. The, if you look into, like, the... If you look into the DAW, there would be, like, half of the stems that, yeah. like, then or like like a third of the stems that a song like me 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 would have yeah um it's it it is funny how much of a prototype this album is like all of the all of the gex pieces are there but they haven't quite figured out how to structure it and shape it um but yeah the the hooks are really the thing that glues this album together the hooks on tracks like dog food and fuck teeth um, are like some of the catchiest hooks these two have ever put out like they're there, mm-hmm. there is like a, there is a command of pop song writing on this album that's really impressive. Like they just know how to make a quick like eight bar loop that will get stuck in your head. It, it's really pretty special. Um, it's also funny how listening to this kind of music has changed my perspective on uh, this type of on this album specifically because the noise parts of this album used to annoy me. um and and like i would skip them uh because i just wanted to hear the pop hooks because the pop hooks were so good they were so catchy um and now i think they're essential (laughs) like they they feel good to listen to they wash over me like a warm blanket and this is also (laughs) like this is these tracks like it's true if you're looking for like the really harsh stuff like if you just want your fucking if you want your ears to bleed this is the album. Like, this is the grindiest stuff that they've ever put out. The The noise segments of this yeah, are brutal. S- second half of dog food, like, hurts. Yeah, and it is and it is such a strange structure that this album has, where it, like, cuts in between, like, these, like, very digestible, very put-it-on-a-playlist pop songs, and, like, not, like, on separate tracks. Within the same track, it just, like, turns into, like, grinding industrial noise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dog food otherwise is a very pretty and very digestible pop song. Mm-hmm. God, I love dog food so good. That's um, that's probably nah, I don't know. They're, yeah, they're all my favorite. It's it, there's only a couple songs. They're all your favorite. That's why <laughs> it's true. this is so great. It's true. Um, yeah, like that. I feel like besides blood stains, uh, which we'll talk about a little bit. Like this right. is th- this album kind of feels a little forgotten uh in some ways like they don't really play these tracks live very much um they they only ever really play bloodstains and that one they play pretty rarely um and i think that's a shame because i think there's a lot to enjoy here i would i would i would love like a remix of dog food or fuck teeth that would be cool yeah that's a that's a great idea i would like yeah um but yeah to 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 touch on bloodstains um more or less is like rapping here (laughs) on this song (laughs) Um, and, like, very quickly. (laughs) Yeah. And she's, she's like, she sounds, like, manic. Like, she sounds like she's panicking on Mm -hmm, this song. mm -hmm. And she's just, like, like, rambling about, like, drinking Monster and being online and, like, getting high. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's, it's a flow that she hasn't really repeated. Like, it comes back on... 745 sticky but like in a much more like put together type of intelligible type of way yeah she she sounds she's like feral on, yeah. on blood stains in Man, a way that yeah you... manic manic and feral are both very apt yeah she, yeah yeah Fuck. 
it's uh, it, that's a, it, it, I, I'm glad that they still occasionally uh, play Bloodstains because it is a fucking awesome song. But yeah, um, so yeah, that that album comes out in like 2016, and then it seems like they kind of abandon the 100 Gex project for a bit. Um, they don't put out another album under that name until May of 2019 when we get a thousand Gex, one of the most important albums of all time. <laughs> I'm only a little bit kidding. Um, okay, so a thousand gex. Um, this is where all of the elements of the previous albums we've discussed are brought together and cranked up to eleven. Um, this is an album with like massive dubstep style bass, uh, grinding industrial trap drums, like piercing synthesizer. There's like a harsh noise sample every two seconds. There's just multi-tracked screaming vocals all in service of like very stupid pop songs um <laughs> this album i think is also the first place where the uh the brady bass sound crystallizes yeah. you'll often hear people in hyperpop talk about the brady bass presets yeah. um dylan brady at this point develops a particular style of synth bass that he uses on pretty much all of his music now like you can recognize a dylan brady track by how the bass sounds like even if it's not gex if he produced it you can hear it um and it is just like this like <laughs> it's like this chainsaw kind of sound <laughs> yeah it's a it's a chainsaw but it sounds fuzzy like the chainsaw is sawing through like a tempurpedic mattress <laughs> yeah it's there's there's something very particular and special about it and i think it's a huge part of why this this album catches on like it does and why it has its particular sound is that that bass sound is just addicting once you get once you start listening to this album it's hard to listen to songs that don't have that bass yeah. in them <laughs> you know how many times i've listened to sorry bro i love you by um dorian electra it's like a two-minute song that he produces and i didn't i like didn't know in the credits but as the second the song started i was like oh this is dylan yeah <laughs> i could i could i could list off amazing brady produced singles for hours but we it's have to talk about a thousand yaks um, yeah the full-on, like, noise segments return on this album, uh, but they're regulated to their own tracks, which I think is a pretty smart, uh, kind of savvy move on their part. Um, I totally agree. Yeah, they're like little skits, the way yeah. that skits show up on, like, rap albums. Yeah, um, and the, the, so the more song tracks uh, are focused on exploring different genres through the filter of this, like, extremely brash production, so there's pop punk songs in this album there's nightcore edm ish songs on this album and there's a fucking ska song of course <laughs> um this is also much more of a hip-hop album than anything else they've done previously which i think is a big yeah. thing that like got me to listen to this album a lot um yeah they, i was they rap here more than they have done in the past i, I was under the impression that 100 gex was a hip-hop project by the way you were talking about it before i yeah. had listened to them yeah and there and it kind of is on on this album mm -hmm. um and yeah, as we kind of alluded to, to before, there's a fullness to the sound that was not present on any of these other albums that we're talking about. Like, when you listen to this album, you really get the impression that they sent these tracks back and forth 
many, many times, layering in additional sounds over and over again. Like, there's always that one little extra thing that you never noticed before on this album. Um, and in a way that, like, the original EP just does not, just mm -hmm. doesn't do. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that, that sort of toy box quality is still here uh, on tracks like, like Ringtone, but it's, like, much less of a focus here. This is, this is a much... It's it feels wrong to say a more mature sounding album because it's a fucking goofy ass album, but there is This album is much less likely to scare the hoes. <laughs> it could still scare the hoes, but like the <laughs> God, okay. Um yeah, this is this is where the Gex ethos really <laughs> crystallizes, right? Like the millennial depression core vibe returns here, but is like on this album it has been twisted into an elaborate spectacle, right? Mm -hmm. This is an album where talking about throwing your phone into a lake or getting high in the morning because you're depressed is expressed as like a big badass posture, <laughs> you know? It's, yeah, it's like a it's like a stage musical of like it's like, yeah, it's like a bombastic musical depicting uh, uh, the group chat drama. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like suburban non-drama of white people. <laughs> yeah, Laura is projecting this like sort of ironic, larger-than-life pop star persona here. Um, like I think a good example of this is the the now famous uh, money machine intro rant. The <laughs> hey, you little piss baby, you think you're so fucking cool, yeah. huh? You know, like it's she she's doing that aggressive pop star persona like kind of as a joke on this album um and then dylan is sort of continuing to fill his role as the brooding sad boy who raps about smoking cigarettes outside of bars <laughs> um there's also um this was present in the previous albums as well but it's sort of heightened here there's a lot of talk about being fucking broke on this album uh which i think is a huge part of what resonated with people about it um there is this sort of you know, earlier we talked about some of the things that noise can do. Um, I think one of the things that noise does on this album um, that's very effective is noise as an expression of the overwhelming nature of late capitalism. Um, this is something that Laura Les has talked about in her uh, interview with Anthony Fantano, which is actually quite good. I, I recommend it's, watching it. It's a great interview. It, this it's is it's very good. And, you know, on that, in that interview, she talks about how, you know, like, she's like, you know, I wake up and I have 400 million Instagram messages and I have six bills due and I don't want to look at anything. And I just feel like everything is creeping up inside my head and overwhelming me, you know, and the sound of this album is like an expression of that feeling. Like mm -hmm. it's, the noise on this album is like a way to get out the screaming that you can't make yourself do. You know, like, you you let the noise become your frustration, and you let it out. And obviously, like, this is what fucking metal music does and punk music does. It's not yeah. new that hyperpop does this, um, but it, 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 it's part, it's hand-in-hand hand with the themes of the album here, um, which I think is awesome, and I, I think it's just done in a really effective way here. I, I really like it. Um, yeah, this is, I mean, this is, this is how you would make punk music in late 2010s. Mm -hmm. the, the, like, this is the punk music. Yeah, this is, the, yeah, it, it really is. Um, 
and and despite all that there still is like a a sweetness to this album there's like a tenderness with oh with there's some th- of the songs here there there are so many like tender like loving moments about like a sweet like relationship on this yeah. on this album that are like like gut-wrenchingly beautiful like there's a line i don't think we're specifically going to talk about this song but there's a line on the last song on the album uh dishes are piling up but that's cool because at least we got food mm-hmm. and and then just like describing like you, you you say you don't want to bug me but i tell you baby being here is nothing uh and it's just like like the, just the, this very and the whole song ringtone is just this like gorgeous like you know we have each other so like it's gonna be all right which is it's such a simple but like powerful uh way it's it's the way like you there's a, a bajillion quadrillion songs about that but none that really but like saying my boy's got his own ringtone it's the only one i know or like saying like at least we got food at least i got you yeah. are like a couple of ways that i'd never really heard that dynamic described and that's really important there's like a lack of fear to express corny emotions on this yeah. album. Yes. I think, and I think that is like, um, that is core to hyperpop is, you know, the sort of like post cringe, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, you know, sort of idea behind it where like people are really encouraged to express feelings that might come off as a little cheesy uh and you know ringtone is a great example of that and get to you is a great example of that on this album where like they're just willing to be sweet and nice and cute in a way that is like refreshing i think um and also is is good contrast to the you know screamy (laughs) emo songs in this album as well i think it's i think it, it 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 brings the whole thing together to have those moments. Um, so, man, uh, this this is a tall order, but Mark, what were your what are your general thoughts on the album "A Thousand Gex? Um, uh, we're we're gonna be talking about this album when we're fifty. Like <laughs> the, the like the, this shit is. Yeah, this is like the most this, this album for me is like one of the most important albums of the decade that it came out. Like this th- this album like set the course for like what pop music will sound like in like the 2020s. Uh mm-hmm. um god, this I this album has been so important to me for 3 years that it, it's a tall order to yeah, it's a tall order to talk about it even, but like it's like it has gotten me through the, the the strangest and hardest parts of my life uh and I, the i can i can throw this on anytime with any like friend and ha- or alone in any situation and have like a grand old time <laughs> like uh, man i i remember the first time i heard 100 gex uh because i uh, <laughs> i i had seen you alex ranting about uh, how good this album is like in in you know spaced out tweets over the course of like a couple of weeks and i was like <laughs> i was at a stupor after this album came out yeah exactly so i was like okay i'm gonna put 100 gex into youtube and watch the most viewed thing and it was money machine and it had like a couple hundred thousand views and i was like okay well this seems to be like the big single so I put it on 
And I, and then it started. Hey, little pits, baby. baby. You're so fucking cool. Huh? You think you're so fucking tough? You talk a lot of big game for someone with such a small truck. And I, I was laughing out loud from the beginning of that video to the end. Like I did not stop laughing out loud because it was so, the way you were talking about it made it seem so profound. And it is. But that being my first song, and just on a first listen, I was like, oh, it's Broken Side, but for gay people. This, wh- what the fuck is this? I mean, I think that is one of the most incredible things about this album and 100 Gags in general, is that it is the dumbest shit in the fucking world. It's, it's so stupid. It's, like, aggressively, knowingly stupid. The, but uh, they, yeah. But also, like, because they allow themselves to be that stupid they also allow themselves to be extremely earnest and yeah. that creates incredible emotional power it's, it's fantastic uh, it's a, go, i listening to that song and then going through the, the youtube comment section which if you've never done you really should there are so many gems it's just like people being like uh, okay adding this to the playlist of music i can't tell other people that i listen to or <laughs> can't or believe like, they finally made music too yeah yeah damn like post gex <laughs> Yeah, yeah. This is uh, this is uh, that 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 song when the when the direct deposit and the perk thirty hits at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, man, um, so and then I like went on to like listen to the album and I, just every the entire emotional spectrum that a human could feel was felt mm-hmm. by me. Um, it's I, amazing how much gets done on this album in 25 minutes. It's 25 minutes, and there's not a wasted minute. You may think that the part where they're just pressing random keys on Yamaha <laughs> is wasted, but you're actually wrong, and fuck you, because it's actually very crucial. God. Um, yeah, I don't think I don't think it's an ad- exaggeration to say that this album fundamentally changed my taste in music forever and i'm sure that i'm not alone on that no it was a cultural reset people say like this was a cultural reset as a joke all the time but like stupid horse and (laughs) money machine and and 800 800 decibel cloud are culture they were a cultural reset this Mm -hmm. album is there's not a moment on this that is not profoundly important Mm mm-hmm um god yeah gex was like my gex is like one of my things that i was into before it was cool um because i i had been listening to laurel s's solo stuff uh and like the 100 gex ep before this album came out um and and this thing was like a sleeper hit you know like it went from like this thing that like i knew about and a couple of my friends knew about and i was like rambling on twitter about and i would get like two likes because no one knew what the fuck i was talking about um and then within like two months, it was like a meme punchline everywhere. Um, God, I remember driving out into the mountains with my friends to go camping and listening to this album for the first time. And I like didn't know what to make of it. Like I knew that there were parts of it that were catchy and that I enjoyed, but like it was such a whirlwind 25 minutes that was, it was hard for my brain to latch onto anything besides haha wacky cartoon noises. And this is probably, like, where most people stop, right? Like, yeah. if you don't get into Gex, it's because you listen to it once and you're like, ah, wacky cartoon noises, that album was stupid, right? Um, but if you keep listening to it, 
it slowly becomes an ex- uh, an obsession. I remember yeah. like the the summer after this album came out, it was just like asking my friends like, oh, "Are you gek pilled yet?" <laughs> you into Gex yet? <laughs> and they're just like, what the fuck are you talking about? And then like three weeks later, they're like, Alex, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, ge- Gex building people is such a I good I feel feeling. so clean like a money machine, Alex. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> that might have been exactly what I texted you. Yeah. My, <laughs> yeah. Like, money machine was the, was like, I, everybody has like the one song on this album that like got them and got them to be like, hmm, maybe I should listen to this album more. And for me, it was money machine. Money machine for, was just like, yeah, just such a, such a catchy pop rap song. And mm-hmm. that her, the, the like improvised Laura West rant at the beginning is so fucking iconic. Like never gets old. It, yeah, it really doesn't. Um, for, for me, I was just going to say that like, I like the, the thing you were saying about how, it's it's hard to know what to make of it because like you don't know what to anchor yourself to mm-hmm. like it's funny cartoon noises but there's so much else going on for me like i i i am a purveyor of 2000s terrible emo and terrible mm-hmm. 2000 synth pop that came that like warp tour tier synth pop which i don't know if like like you are like have been so much into but like i was able to just like instantly i was like oh that's what they're doing Oh, I get it. Like, I, like I felt like I was in on a bit that a lot of other people who were listening to this like weren't in on, right? Because they weren't like like warp tour swoopy hair emo kids like <laughs> I was, and I was like, yeah. oh, I get this. And then I was able to uh, expand, uh, like, I was able to like let the rest of it wash over me because I had that anchor of like, oh, they're doing a weird like blood on the dance floor thing Mm -hmm. got it (laughs) yeah i was like i was not familiar with like i didn't know what pc music was i didn't know who sophie or ag cook or any of those motherfuckers were yeah um and i didn't like noise um and so like i didn't know how to describe the album to people when i wanted them to listen to it i would just be like yeah it's like a it's like a pop punk trap album i guess Mm -hmm. and there it's got noise elements i would say (laughs) Um, and I, I, which is why I'm glad that the term hyperpop exists now. So I don't have to say that shit anymore. Uh, like a lot of people like, you know, get up in arms about the term hyperpop for X, Y, Z reasons, but like, it sure is convenient to be able to talk about this fucking music with people. Um, yeah. But yeah, you know, at the time I like, I really only listened to like jazzy hip hop. Like that was the main thing that I was into and I'm still into that, but now I'm also into hyperpop and I have become a person that like desperately craves noise over the the course of the past three years. There are two good genres now. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's like, it's one of those things where like, it's like, it's not that like music outside of like my special interest genres, I think is bad. It's just like, I'm not going to obsess over it. I just know the things that I'm obsessed with and I'm going to obsess over those things. Yeah. I've, I've tried, uh, I've tried twice to get you into Ariana Grande. It's not going to stick. It's okay. (laughs) There's no noise in it. What am I supposed to do? I don't understand it. Um, God, uh, we're going to talk about a lot of the songs on this album, I think. Um, <laughs> do you want to talk about Karl Marx's theory of alienation? I sure do. Uh, God, <laughs> I just think it's really funny that, like, okay, 745 Sticky, which is the first track on this album. This is one of my favorite tracks on the album. Um, yeah, for sure. Is like, is, like, a hip-hop track about waking up to your direct deposit and then going broke immediately because you spent all the money already. <laughs> yeah, you, you immediately spent it on weed over the course of the last two hours and then paid a bill, and now 
Oops. Yeah. <laughs> Oops, I'm broke. <laughs> it is. It is. Yeah. Whoops. Literally one of the lines is, whoops, I'm already broken. It's only 745 in the morning. Yeah. Like, the album, the song is detailing Karl Marx's theory of alienation under capitalism and how we're all alienated from our labor and Arctic. <laughs> um, Laura Lesko on Chapo. <laughs> God, please no. There's Please no. no. I will feel so gross and bad if that happens. Yeah. Uh, don't don't make me think about that. L- Laura, let's um, go on Hasanabi at at twitch.com slash Hasanabi. I'm just kidding. Move shut on. Shut up. <laughs> um, God, yeah. I'm never gonna know what money got me feeling like a dentist means, but I feel it in my <laughs> chest, you know. Um, and then at the and then the end of this song becomes a dubstep song, and I think that's the moment yep. when you know like something is up here with this <laughs> album. <laughs> yeah i mean it goes straight from like it breaks down and then it turns into like twinkly toy box sound and then it goes yeah 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 <laughs> and 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 then it turns yeah it turns into dubstep and then eventually devolves into dubstep but with ad libs uh you with the yamaha keyboard <laughs> and then the song ends with a police yeah. siren it's fucking it's so good um we've mentioned the song 800 decibel cloud a couple times on this podcast uh this i think 800 decibel cloud is like the thesis statement of the album <laughs> it's also the song that they close with when they play live yeah uh, this should is, be noted this is definitely one of the iconic gex songs um if you've seen people say shit like i'm about to hit the booth or yeah. <laughs> i might go, I might and, go throw and throw my, my phone booth. into a lake yeah okay actually we need to pause on that that's that's like the moment like yeah. you know, if 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 I could only experience one moment from a Gex song for the rest of my life, it's Laureless screaming, "I might go and throw my phone into the lake." Yeah, like this is the this is the line that everybody like jumps up on the rafters and screams at the live shows. Like, mm-hmm. and I think that's such a great encapsulation of like what Gex captures thematically is this like disgust but with the state of things, but also like a shackling to the state of things, you know, mm-hmm. like it, it is, it, it is like sitting in this late capitalist social media hellscape and trying to navigate that and trying to find small ways to break out of that, but ultimately being pulled back into the fold of it. You know, it, yeah. I might go and throw my phone into the lake, but you won't. The, you know? Yeah, the 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 frustration of trying to make like a meaningless gesture, like uh, yeah, d- against the system actually means something, but the system doesn't fucking care. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's uh, th- <laughs> we were talking about the phrase cultural reset. The moment that the big loud snare hits in this song is <laughs> a cultural reset. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And it's like this, fu- like fucking Metallica Saint Anger ass yeah. snare drum hits. So fucking good. This song, um, it's a metal song. Yeah, and then and then literally at the end, it becomes a death metal song, yeah, and Laura actually. West starts doing her uh, black metal vocals that you will just now learn that she's able to do. <laughs> Dude, going to going to a hundred Gex shows and watching this tiny tiny person just just like make a sound like a garbage disposal. <laughs> is incredible and yeah that moment when it dissolve devolves into like a death metal screamo song is like 
that that's what it further crystallizes like oh this is this is gonna be this album is gonna be truly something different and special <laughs> um it's god yeah and uh <laughs> and then there's stupid horse um, uh, this was my song. This was the one that yeah. That, that this got is a lot in. of people's songs. I think this is like this is like the ground floor Gex song. This is like this is like like stupid horse in my head is almost kind of like a novelty song. You know, it's kind of like it's like they're particle men. You know, it's like <laughs> it, it it it's it's the one that people who don't like a hundred Gex have maybe heard, and it's kind of the song is a little bit of a joke, but also it slaps. Um, it sounds like an Aquabat song, like in every yeah. sense of the word. <laughs> yeah. So Stupid Horse, if for some reason it, it's 2022 and you haven't heard Stupid Horse, um, is a hyper pop ska song about going to the racetrack <laughs> and losing all your money and then beating the shit out of a jockey <laughs> and stealing his money and his horse. <laughs> in other words tuesday <laughs> for me that you know, was tuesday uh, they're they're uh they're they're reinforcing uh the themes of alienation under capitalism here with the line lost my money in my bank account i never have any money i never get any money <laughs> it's uh you know like this is not one of my favorite songs i'm gonna be honest stupid horse like i don't listen to stupid horse on the regular but it's good that it exists for a few reasons one is that it gets people to listen to the album again because they're like that was so fucking crazy i need to hear stupid horse again so i guess i'll run it back it's only 25 minutes um and then like i'm not gonna say that this song is the first time that somebody mixed like ska punk and pop punk elements with the hyper pop but uh it's the best it sure time. did change everything yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> this stupid horse like spawns its entire subgenre of hyper pop that is this sort of like ska punk pop punk style uh with you know reincorporating the electric guitars back in and and uh Using the big uh, gang vocals and stuff. There's just there's a fucking like Blink One Eighty Two, damn it, like guitar riff that that goes in the pre-chorus, and yep, it, <laughs> it's it, just there. And, and there wasn't anything of, like that before on this album. It's a stroke of genius, honestly. To that that they came <laughs> up with this, that they came up with the idea yeah. to make this song. Like it's not, <laughs> I'm not even that crazy about it, but it's just wild that someone even conjured the idea to make like a noise pop ska song about <laughs> horse racing. <laughs> I I also love that this song is, uh, th seeing this song live was the most intense mosh pit I've ever been a part of. <laughs> Like, unironically, it well, was. Yeah, like, they, this was the second song they played when I saw them live. They they came out and then did, like, an intro song, which is presumably something from, like, their new-ish album. Mm -hmm. And then, like, you, I, like, heard it spinning up and then pick it up. And the crowd, like, lunged forward. Uh, like i like i'm six foot one and like 280 pounds and i felt crushed so like i was like actively like at first i was like a little scared i was like oh there's like little twinks who are gonna be dying in here i need to <laughs> i need to <laughs> i need to find the the smallest frailest kids in this audience and hold them up but it, it, everybody spaced out a little bit and it wasn't like it wasn't really a mosh it was just we were just all fucking jumping and screaming and 
the 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 sheer joy of like being able to see like Gex live was like mm-hmm. that was the moment. I was like almost in tears, like hearing Dylan yeah. go stupid. Awesome. I was like, oh my I, god, I'm here. Yeah, it. You know, <laughs> we uh, you know, we will never be uh liberated through uh the individual success of uh <laughs> queer artists, but. Man, standing in a crowd and watching Laura West just be a fucking rock star and everybody yeah. loves her. And she's just like, this was one of the things that was really important to me about 100 Gex when I first started listening to it is like, Laura West is like one of us, yeah. you know? And I and, and like, what I mean by that is like, there are, tr- there are, there are trans celebrities, uh, you know, um, there, uh, there are people like Kim Petras in the space as well. Um... But Laura Less feels like one of us. Mm. She feels like grimy, and she pe- she feels like not as put together, and she doesn't feel airbrushed, you know? Like, the, the fucking Money Machine video, which, like, she has said was recorded, like, six months before she started Hormones. Like, you know, she just looks like shit, and it's awesome. You know, she's like, like, her hair is fucking greasy, and she's wearing this, like, ugly-ass fucking striped shirt, and she's, like, walking through a parking lot and vaping in front of a cheap truck and it looks drinking like something, monster. It looks like something you would have filmed at the balcony. Like, literally. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like, it's, it was just nice to, like, yeah. See someone being visible and and successful who was just like a fucking gremlin trans woman, you mm-hmm. know? Like that was a big deal. Um and it's still a big deal, you know? Um God, yeah. Uh let's talk about uh let's talk about XXX I would never stop you XXX. <laughs> Uh, this a song which is titled like it's someone's screen name on a forum in in like 2002 or like a breakcore song or something. it's God it's there's underscores in the it's, title of this song. Th- this this look this this looks and sounds like an I set my friends on fire song or like a yeah. song by Attack Attack. God um yeah so this is like this is like almost kind of like a nightcore-ish like EDM kind of mm-hmm. track. Um, the, really the main thing I want to say about this is like, there is a, there's a breakdown on this album or on this song that is like, it just sounds like somebody taking like a balloon and just like squeezing it and rubbing it on her. It's it's so (laughs) weird. It's like this weird, like rubbery. One of the things that like Dylan Brady and Laura Less are very, very talented at is they make these synthesizers sound alive. They sound like something that's moving around a room, you know? Um, and it's funny because the breakdown in this song was like so. When I first listened to this album, I thought it was like so harsh. I thought the breakdown was like so like intense and difficult to listen to. And now, like three years into being really into the genre, I'm like, oh, yeah, fucking whatever, man. <laughs> like it's it is nothing to me. <laughs> man, that's really true. Yeah, I've listened to so much on on your <laughs> hyperpod playlist that that kicks this song's ass in terms of intensity. Yeah. Um, I, this is one of my favorites on the album cause it's so explicitly like a scene core slash night core, like throwback. Like this song sounds like that, that picture that this song sounds like that, that like aims username. That's like, I made you a cookie, but I eat it. <laughs> it, it sounds like that, that picture of SpongeBob with emo hair, holding a b- red umbrella, holding a red <laughs> balloon rather. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> it's uh, it's man like this this song is just straight up a blood on the dance floor track like you've got me bewitched like they they hold nothing back in terms of their uh in terms of their d- direct uh like explicit throwback to that genre on this yeah the like, 2000 it, emo <laughs> culture influence on this album cannot be understated it is crucial to the mm-hmm. sound it it sounds this song sounds like a nightcore remix of itself like it sounds like there's a real song <laughs> that this is the nightcore remix <laughs> yes of. yes it does um yeah this this one's not one of my favorites just because I'm, I'm not super into the like kind of dancey edm sound uh but like the outro of this is one of the best moments on the album. Totally. Um, it, it's like, you know, it, it's this like incredibly warped uh, vocal sample from Laura. And then it's Dylan Brady doing his like, he sometimes gets into this like very sweeping, like epic, like arena rock kind of sound sometimes where like the, the bass sounds like it's like echoing through a parking lot, you know, like it's huge and like mat like massive booming kind of sound. And the, the way this song ends is, is in that style and it's fucking awesome. I love it so much. Uh, yeah. Let's talk about, uh, let's talk about, uh, hand crushed by a mallet. <laughs> um, this is the song for me. Like if, if you need to know in like two minutes, if you will like hyper pop or not, Listen to Hand Crushed by a Mallet. And if that song doesn't make you feel anything, then I guess this genre just isn't for you because I think this is like a top three hyper pop song. Yeah. Hand Crushed by a Mallet, holy shit. This is such a such a staple of the genre at this point. It has it has the hip hop, it has the noise, it has the the loud like sub bass. It it really encapsulates like the the genesis of the of the big Dylan Brady bass. And uh, completely unexpected, like like left turn, like beat drop that goes into a direction you weren't expecting it. Yeah, uh, th- this this is the song that like I show people. Mm-hmm. This is the song if I want them to like laugh, I'll show them Stupid Horse or Money Machine. But like if I want them to like be, if I want to be like no, like uh, this is this a stuff is good. <laughs> this is seriously my favorite artist. Like yeah. I show this song. Yeah, it's. This is a really impressive song to me from, like, a songwriting perspective. Right, um, right. In that, like, it doesn't have, like, a chorus. And it doesn't really have, like, a normal, like, verse-chorus structure. Instead, like, it's split up into, like, 8 to 16-bar chunks where they will introduce a flow and run that flow. And it's, like, run a repetitive flow for... 8 to 16 bars, and then they change it up. And that Mm -hmm. just repeats throughout the entire song. Um, And every single time it switches up, it's something more catchy than the last thing that they (laughs) came up with. Um, You know, like, the song opens with, like, this kind of, like, big, epic kind of pop-punk intro with Dylan Brady, like, screaming over the intro. And then it gets to the breakdown, and it becomes, like, this sort of, like, much more sparse open breakdown with Dylan Brady, like rapping over it. And this, like just the grimiest bass you've ever heard in your life. The fucking breakdown on this song changed my mm-hmm. life. <laughs> I, I, the, the feeling I get when hand crushed by a mallet drops is 
like a top five musical sensation for me. I have I, it, it. It's like electricity goes through me when I listen to that shit. It's so fucking good. There's just it's not so another. There's just not another song by anyone that that produces that same feeling it's 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 the the, the build-up sounds like it's gonna be like cinema remix by uh, skrillex and then it's just not it's just something that's so it's it's so uniquely gex and so unique there, to this song there yeah there is no more moshable drop than <laughs> than the hand crush by a mallet drop dude when i saw when i saw gex opening for brockhampton we people were fucking throwing hands to him mm. this is a, this is a song for violence and killing and maiming and biting <laughs> songs to songs to beat the shit out of your friends in a parking lot too <laughs> god so, songs to songs to fall into a ravine while skateboarding too <laughs> yeah so, yeah songs to hydroplane and eat shit on your longboard too <laughs> um yeah it's it's amazing I, I don't even know what else to say it, it's one of the greatest songs i've ever heard in my life I, yeah. I i can't praise it enough um before we move on from talking this about this album, I want to talk about the noise tracks on this album. There's two of them. They're called I Need Help Immediately and Gek Gek Gek. I um, need help immediately. These are the this is this is what the memes about Gex are about. Like when you see memes where people are like, new hundred Gex dropped, and it's like cutting between someone using a blender and someone like uh, playing cartoon sound effects on an iPod. Like that's the, when people make those jokes, they're making jokes about these tracks. Um, yeah, these are uh, like whole tracks of them going, look at what I can make a synth do uh, in between straight up like cartoon sound effects. Yeah. Um, it's very stupid and also the album would not be the same without them <laughs> like 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 yeah you don't listen to them all the time you don't li- you don't listen to them individually when you just want to listen to a gex song but they establish a vibe for the album you know it 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 gets across the the gex like we can do whatever the fuck we want attitude you know we can we can get up on a stage in front of hundreds of people and play like our cartoon slide whistle sound effect (laughs) this is yeah it's just they they make 100 gex because it's fun and it, it is fun to make these songs and i they they're not limited to only making semi digestible pop songs they will make whatever the fuck they feel like because it's fun and it made them laugh and that and that that's an infectious energy and that's why and i and that's important to the to the structure of the album i think yeah it it, and it and it has a it has an effect on the culture of the genre you know the fact that they have these fucking cartoony ass songs um and all of this like weird genre mixing like that becomes part of like what people expect from a hyper pop album it's mm-hmm. it's quite it's quite funny how gex like a thousand gex is one of those things that came out and was very idiosyncratic um and now it feels like a template you know um and it, it's it's quite strange um and then also i think uh putting like a heartfelt uh love song at the end of one of these noise tracks is the funniest fucking thing they could have done it's incredible bit it's so good like oh you want to listen to this like beautiful like little love song that laura less wrote over this like like 
sliding synthesizer effect that's really cool. You want to hear that? Well, you're going to have to listen to a robotic voice say, Gek, 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 for like two minutes. <laughs> in, in between Fred Flintstone running sound effects, if you want to hear this song. Uh, One of my favorite moments on the whole album is the part on the... <laughs> that happens right before it gets to the real song. Yeah. Uh, it's It's... It's it's hilarious. Yeah, I the, the 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 heartfelt song at the end like literally could have been on one of the 2016 like heartfelt Laura Less EPs. Like mm-hmm. it's it's like a tender queer love song <laughs> and it's like paying homage to that era but also it begins with gek 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 it's amazing it's amazing it ends with I... sounds of a cartoon rat walking across a piano <laughs> god um yeah uh it again can't overstate what an important album it, uh, a thousand gex is to us personally and also like what this genre becomes in the wake of uh that album and i think there's no better way to demonstrate that than talking about a thousand gex and the tree of clues uh which was released basically a year later in july of 2020 um this is a remix album of a thousand gex with multiple remixes of every song like we said this is a long one this is like almost an hour long which is very long for a hyper pop album yeah um and there's also a couple uh new tracks that they had been playing at live shows at this point um musically this thing's like all over the place like they it is a it is an absolute odyssey of different styles and sounds but it all stays within that like industrial pop space um, it's almost all like wild, harsh noise pop, but they get it from as many different angles as they can on this one. It's, it's quite cool. Um, and yeah, like this was the point where it really felt like Gex was starting to be like big and not just like a weird internet thing. Um, I think this is like the point when it felt like they had reached the weird guy music pantheon. Oh, you the, the, fan- the Fantanosphere? Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, 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 dudes who are into, like, non-top 40, slightly alternative music, like, you know, yeah. they don't listen to hyper-pop, but they listen to a thousand gex, because it's in, the, it's in the sphere of weird guy music, you know? They don't listen yeah. to other folk punk albums about Anne Frank, but they listen to Air in the Aeroplane Over the Sea, you know? Like, it's, it's in that sort of... <laughs> It's in that sort of bubble now um, where where people are a lot more likely to come across it. Um, and yeah, the, the gets on this album are crazy. Like from the PC music and other hyper pop gets to the fucking pop punk get that we'll talk about. Um, and yeah, uh, the term hyper pop is coined and sort of solidified as a concept in the wake of this album, um, which... What, a lot of people are kind of surprised by i think a lot of people think that it was like an existing name for the genre before the release of a thousand gex but it's not it doesn't actually even exist until a whole year after that album comes out um and in the wake of this album people start using the term hyperpop. um yeah uh how did you feel coming back to this one it is it's 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 quite beefy <laughs> It, this album is just like a. This is like a victory lap, uh, mm-hmm. and they they rounded up. It's just a celebration of like what they had managed to accomplish in 2019, mm-hmm. and they rounded up 
uh, they, they, they put out the bat signal and every good artist that you've ever heard of came to, to, to do their part. Uh, this thing, it stands on its own as a complete and fully realized project, which is very uncommon for remix albums. I really can't think of another one. That... Yeah, this album has like lore <laughs> and it's liner yeah. notes and shit. I mean, like, the album really... is called One Thousand Gex and the Tree of Clues. Like, yeah, what the it's, fuck? It's a very, uh, it's a very extravagant production. This album. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like we cordially invite you to <laughs> experience One Thousand Gex in a new way. Like, <laughs> that's that's what this album is, and it's 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 cool. Um, yeah, I I um. Yeah, I listened to this album in, like, it took me a while to get through the whole album when I first heard it, because I kept replaying one song from it a whole bunch. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you you know the we'll song. We'll talk about uh, it later. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, every, I feel like every new go-around, uh, this is a in-the-background album for me. It's another Halo album, <laughs> or like a dishwashing album. Yeah. Uh, and so... A, no, a new song sticks out to me each time i feel yeah, like yeah definitely yeah yeah the, the hannah um, diamond one most recently was like oh fuck this is great <laughs> yeah um god the night that this album dropped i got so fucking wine drunk listening to it on loop that i threw up <laughs> 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 i um god uh i i love the way that people take new verses on these remixes uh particularly on ringtone the the charlie xcx and kiro kiro bonito ringtone remix which is like the definitive version of ringtone for me now Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. yeah like when this first came out i was like i listened to it obsessively for like one or two nights and then i think it started to wane on me a bit because i think at the time a lot of the remixes didn't really hit for me because i was like well i already like these songs uh yeah so i didn't really need them to change um but as time went on um this album really helped like open up the world of this genre for me like before this album came out i was just a gex fan i did not listen to like any of the pc music stuff i didn't listen to like anything outside of the laura lesson dylan brady uh cinematic universe you know um (laughs) And and as I have gotten more and more into this kind of music, I have begun to like this album more and more. Um, like, I know how to listen to this album now. I know what to look out for in the more, like, because there's a lot of, like, harsh, noisy tracks on this album. They, they really go for it in a lot of spots. Like, when the A.G. Cook Money Machine remix came out, I fucking hated it. I thought it was terrible. And now I think it's awesome. Like, now I think it fucking kicks ass, you know? <laughs> and it's just that my palette has developed so much in part because of the release of this album and how I've just, like, continued to engage with the genre because of the, you know... Because there's so many features here, there's so many artists to look into, there's so much There's so much to dig into with Tree of Clues. Um, That's so fucking true. Yeah, me pre and post getting into Sophie like appreciates this album in two different ways absolutely absolutely i feel the exact same way um so uh there's two remixes of hand crushed by a mallet our favorite song on this yes um let's talk about the no thank you remix first because i think the other one you'll you'll have quite a bit to say about um i love the no thank you remix of hand crushed by a mallet it's just like (laughs) they took hand crushed by a mallet and turned it into like a straight up 
punk song and it sounds like it's being played in another room <laughs> it's odd, yeah it's great i yeah but bo- both remixes correctly identified that the song could use guitars and this one just straight up yeah they made it a guitar punk a guitar driven punk song uh yeah being played in the other room while while your mom and dad are fighting or whatever yeah it has like this like muffled quality to it that i really really like it it super works yeah um and then there's the other one which is the the big crazy get um god man i remember when there was like a leaked audio clip from a 100 gex dj set where they played this intro to hand crushed by a mallet where Dylan Brady's opening verse is developed delivered by Patrick Stump of Fallout Boy. <laughs> I also remember when that clip came out on YouTube and I screamed like a child. <laughs> I was like, no fucking way. <laughs> I mean, it's like it I mean he just oh God, like I mean, first of all, it was crazy. It was like, holy shit, 100 Gex, this, like, tiny little indie band that we like, just got the guy from Fallout Boy to do a song on their remix album. That's crazy. Like, that was huge. Crazy. That Now they fucking collaborated with fucking 303 and Lincoln Park and everybody. It's, like, not as big of a deal. But at the time, like, this was insane, man. This was crazy. And... And he just fucking knocks it out of the park. The fact that they, like, changed the intro from, like, the sort of, like, synth-wavy kind of vibe into, like, straight-up pop-punk vibe with the fucking, the fucking vibra-slap happens, and it's, Mm -hmm. like, the slow guitar noodling, and then, like, he, and then, like, he comes in with the counter-melody. It's just, it's, it's, it's perfect. It's flawless. They stripped out everything but the bass and, like, a little bit of window dressing to give uh, to give Patrick Stump's vocals the the room that they require because Patrick's <laughs> vocals are so big on this. Well, always. I mean, I won't go into the Fall Out Boy rant, but Fall Out Boy is one of the best bands of all time. And <laughs> uh, I mean, if as long as you only count up to 2013. Um, uh, and Patrick Stump, one of the best vocalists, one of the best rock vocalists of all time, easily um his range is unparalleled and he the uses the fact that he hits the notes on the intro to this song not in a falsetto is yeah. mind blowing <laughs> i can't fucking do that no yeah his his like full voice like chest voice is so <laughs> high it's like hitting like like a bu- it's like hitting alto like alto 1 levels like Dude, it's like... <laughs> When Nuts. I when I cover this song, I have to take it down like four octaves. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, it's 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 crazy. Yeah. So there's that right, and and then the 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 drop begins, and instead of it being a synth, it is. And I just recently learned this. It's uh, the Gex found a guitar cover of this song on YouTube. And they asked permission and got permission from that dude to use his clip of playing guitar to the so this sick. feelings go into my head. That do 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 do, and so it's that. But um, it's Craig Owens singing that part. Uh, Craig Owens is a legendary hero of the metalcore emo post hardcore scene from the two thousands. Um, you may know him. From, you may know him from such bands as Chiodos and Drugs. Uh, Chiodos being um, very popular, but still 
underrated somehow. They're like My Chemical Romance, but with more screaming. Uh, very important band. Very, one of my all-time favorites. Uh, and he, you hadn't really heard much from him over the past like few years. And he just comes in sounding exactly like he sounded in 2008 <laughs> and just belts the, this feeling's going to my head. And, and then the song goes on to continue to be a pop punk slash metalcore song of him also doing his like unclean, like scream vocals. Like it's just Craig Owens being like, Oh, hi, I still got it by the way. Uh, yeah. <laughs> remember all that cool shit I did. I'm still a fucking legend. And it's just, it blows my mind that like Craig Owens <laughs> would like be into this. I don't know. There's <laughs> something so fucking cool about the idea that he's singing these lower or less lyrics. Yeah. I just, the I, fucking, I geek out the about fucking, it so much. The, the fucking screamo outro of this remix is so good that when they play Hand Crushed by a Mallet live now, they stick that outro onto the end of the song yes. even though they're not playing the remix because it's that good. Yep, yep. Oh, God, yeah, it's... I am so happy that one of my favorite songs on the album got that treatment because it's fantastic. Yeah. Um, but now we're going to talk about the most important song on Tree of Clues. We're going to talk about the crown jewel of Tree of Clues. So, the so true, Queen. Maybe the best hyperpop song of all time. Go off. Uh, we're going to talk about Get Get Gek Remix featuring, featuring Lil West and Tony Velour. Two also, ama- Lil West and Tony Velour, two amazing, like, hip-hop, hyper-pop artists. Oh, Check man. Both of them out. Yeah, both Tony Velour fucks. Oh, yeah, my God. Yeah, Tony Velour's fucking awesome. Um, so, I don't think that I have ever popped off as hard listening to a song for the first time in my entire <laughs> life as I did the first time I heard Get Get Gek remix, right? So you might recall from earlier in the podcast that Get Get Gek is a track from 1000 Geks uh, that's just like a bullshit noise track for most of it. There's like a Microsoft Sam voice that says Get Get Gek 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 a lot, and there's a bunch of dumb cartoon sound effects, and then at the end, Laura Less delivers a heartfelt love song. Um, so what they do here is they take the Microsoft Sam voice saying Gek Gek and they sample it to be part of the beat of an industrial hip-hop song and it's maybe the best thing I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. this song starts and it like it's like, it's like a quick sample from Laura's chorus of the long love song part plays and then it goes into Lil West just doing this like industrial gangster rap verse over the fucking Microsoft Sam boy saying gek, gek, gek over and over again. Yeah. It, the first 30 seconds of this song are, are, it's just, it's poetry. It's incredible. Like it's, I, I never would have thought for them to have done this. And, and now I like, can't live without it. I can't live without this song. And then yeah. like, Lil West finishes his verse, and then Tony Velour goes into this, like, more, like, chill, like, Kid Cudi kind of verse. That, And then, Laura West starts playing acoustic guitar and does the outro from the original Get 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 as, like, an acoustic guitar song. Yep. And which, it's, like, Which beautiful. she also does live now. She plays that as an acoustic emo song live now. Yeah. It's... 
the song is so hard. The song is so fucking hard. I like it yeah. blows my fucking mind how hard it is. Ma- it I makes was just me... like <laughs> it just reminds me of like the first time I heard Brockhampton and I was like, oh yeah. shit. <laughs> it's it's like the it's like the first time you listen to Saint Percy and you're just like, yeah. oh yeah. oh shit. Or like the first time like it's like when Jesus starts and you're just like, fuck. <laughs> it's gonna be like that. Oh Jesus, yeah, I didn't yeah. even know. Holy fuck. Yeah. Uh I cannot cannot praise Get 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 Remix enough. It's it that is, of all of the tracks on this album, that is the one that I have by far listened to of the most. It is it is looped constantly in my life. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. fucking mm-hmm. good. Oh man. Um God, uh let's touch on Toothless a little bit. Um Toothless is a song, uh it's uh, a song that they started playing at their live shows shortly after A Thousand Gex came out and then uh was included on this album. Um <laughs> It is a remix of Alone by Marshmallow, which I didn't know until like a year after the song came out. And Mark Same. didn't know until like three yes. days ago. Yeah, yeah, I just found out. And I've, yeah. I've been I've been bumping this song for, yeah, all, yeah. over a year. The, the Marshmallow song, it's fine. It's, it's no Toothless. Um, toothless, banger song, obviously. Um, in my head, Toothless is like, is like the gestalt <laughs> hyper pop song. Yeah. Like it has all of the elements that you need. Um, you know, it's got like the, it's got a very like clean verse chorus, verse chorus. It's got like a dubstep style breakdown. It's got the sort of vague pop punk influence in there. Like this toothless is like, is, is the template. This is, this is the, this is the, this is the hyper pop song against which all other hyper pop songs can be judged. <laughs> um, but yeah, mostly I just wanted to talk about this song because of a particular line that Laura says in this song. Uh, when uh, she says, um, sitting on the flight to the show, I thought I'd always be broke. Um, which is very interesting, given the themes of the previous album uh, and like the reasons that that album resonated with people so much in the first place. Um, you know, it's... It's strange here how, you know, on that, on A Thousand Gex, she's sort of projecting this, like, fake pop star persona, right? It's, like, kind of an act, you know? Like, you think about, like, the Money Machine music video. She's, like, (laughs) in, like, a shitty parking lot at, like, a park or, like, like a warehouse district or something, vaping and standing in front of (laughs) bad cars, you know, um, it's it's kind of a joke. And, like, now they're actually kind of famous. And now they actually kind of are pop stars. And, like, it it can't be a joke anymore. Um, mm-hmm. And, yeah, hearing Laura on this track sing about, like, getting to take a plane to go perform at a big show and probably make a lot of money. <laughs> um, you know... It's not like a hundred gex was ever particularly liberatory, right? You know, like it is sort of uh there's there's nothing in the in their music that is sort of like uh suggesting an alternative to capitalism rather than sort of like just stewing in it, you know? Like that's kind of what the vibe of the a lot of their music is just like stewing in the this sort of like late capitalist drudgery um and i think that's fine like i'm not saying like gex is bad because uh it it's not communist enough like it's fine that they're they're just fun pop songs um 
but I, it does kind of suck to look at that. Like, I'm happy that they are successful because I think they are awesome, and I'm glad a lot of people got into them, and I'm glad the genre is expanding, and, and so many people are getting into it, including myself, you know. Um, but also, there's a part of me that's like, man, we got, like, another two years of cool Laura Less, don't we? We got, like... She's going to do something shitty and rich at some point, and it's going to be a huge bummer for all of us. Yeah, it's it's just a thing of, like, like financial stability is, like, a, a uh, is, like, a tough, uh, <laughs> uh, is, like, a tough thing to, like, write about artistically, because mm-hmm. it's, it's hard to not engender bitterness, uh, when writing about it, um, and also it's, like, uh, it's important to this is an important jumping off point to remember that like all music that you listen to on particularly like on a streaming service uh is a, a product of material conditions mm-hmm. and this is something that i have had to reckon with very intensely like i had this like this like breakthrough and it's going to sound stupid but if you're a musician, you'll know exactly what the fuck I'm talking about. I just had this moment of just like, oh, I will never make a song that sounds as good as Harry Styles because I do not have $20 million. Mm-hmm. And that was a liberating moment for me because I had previously, I'm very much a perfectionist when it comes to when I make my music, um, like to a fault. Uh but I simply, you know, I live alone and I work a, a job. I certainly am paid enough to live alone and have a savings account, which is more than most people have. But I do not have the endless free time that's uh, being that I don't have the endless free time that like a band like the Strokes had when they were first starting out because they are just like Ivy League kids who are the children of multimillionaires. Yeah. Uh, and so like. It does suck that, like, having more money will cause your music to sound a certain way, and yeah. that will be perceived as better um, it's, by it, most I mean, people. It, and, and Hyperpop is in such a strange position currently. Uh, have, where... you, have you heard the new, uh, the, the um, uh, RuPaul put out a fucking, like, Hyperpop album? Yes! Yeah, this is, I mean, like, this is the thing, right? It's <laughs> yeah. like... Hyperpop is a genre that, especially in the past few years, has become really popular off of, like, amateurs, basically. Like, yep. people who uh, are not professional musicians in the sense that, like, they are not doing it for a living. You know, it's it's been a pretty DIY-type thing because the whole idea with Hyperpop is that it can kind of sound like shit. That's, like, part of it. it. Like, it doesn't have to be perfectly produced. It can be grimy and kind of bad, and people like that about it. Um, but now it's, like, one of the most popular emerging subgenres of the past few years. And when that happens, capital takes notice, you know? Um, and so we're in this space where this genre is being, like, actively innovative and innovated and pushed and developed by you know people just doing it in their spare time people doing diy like fucking kids you know like there's a lot of like like 
decently well-known hyperpop artists that are like in high school yeah you know um and then at the same time it is actively being swallowed up you know as you said rupaul puts out a hyperpop album right like every song on the radio is probably going to be a hyperpop song in like three years or something you know like i i i don't want to call a shot there or anything but i have a feeling that like this style is going to start to pervade into more and more mainstream music and is going to become more and more palatable to people and like yeah we're probably going to lose something when that happens you know um i it's it's true but it's it's less that we're gonna lose something and more that what we think of hyperpop is gonna change and it's gonna be another 10-year cycle before that becomes mainstream cool like i mean maybe this is a good jumping off point to uh (laughs) to what we know about Ten Thousand gex the upcoming Mm -hmm. uh gex album from what has leaked and the single that they have released and we've both seen them live on their recent tour so we've seen a lot of their new material mm-hmm. um it's different <laughs> it, i mean it's i don't that, not that different <laughs> um, i don't like there's a couple of well i haven't listened to the leaks to be clear i've only know i only am going off of vague hazy memories of seeing the mm-hmm. live show but there was like <laughs> there was a fucking uh like new metal song <laughs> yeah. uh, there's gonna be yeah, the the yeah, shut your pie hole is is like a new metal song. Like there there's um they're 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 leaning it seems so far they're leaning into like the the like rock and metal influence with this upcoming album, which I'm very interested to see. Um Yeah, it's kind of like, like we don't know how we don't know if we're we don't know what our opinion's going to be yet. Like it's yeah, it still don't. stands I it, we yeah. do not have enough data yet. I know that I know my opinion is that 757 is fucking amazing. Me too. Holy shit. Yeah. It's cr- d- m- m- like y'all it's like I don't know if you know this but like rapping on a stage is like hard. <laughs> like Yeah. And Dylan Brady can rap on a stage really well and very fast in a way that wasn't very impressive he's, to me. He's a fucking MC. Like, out of yeah. nowhere. He becomes an MC when 757 drops. That song's so fucking good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then, obviously, the, 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 the single that's dropped so far is Me, 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 um, which is basically, like, Laura Les and Dylan Brady telling us specifically to shut the fuck up <laughs> based yeah. on all the things that we've said on this. Which, uh, fair. You know what? Yeah, fair. You, they absolutely have the right to say that to us. Yeah, I mean, so Me, 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 if you haven't heard it, is... Um, a song where the hook is repeating over and over again. You'll never really know anything about me. You'll never really know anything about me. And it's just like them talking about how, uh, you know, this spotlight that has been put on them uh, gives people a perceived level of access to them that makes them uncomfortable. And it's very, I love that someone did that. I love that Laura's first song coming back after like, you know, the two years that she spent, like, becoming a slightly famous person is her going, like, fuck you for having a parasocial relationship with me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I love that. I adore it. I'm, I'm here for it. Um, and we should shut the fuck up and stop speculating about them. But, hey, that's, that's what you got to do. Um, yeah, uh, I also think it's very cool that we get uh, unpitched Laura vocals on this song. Yeah, man. 
you know um it's like not that it was not that like there's any reason to think less of her for having pitched her vocals up but seeing that she is comfortable enough now to choose to do it as an aesthetic and not feel like it's a necessity for presenting herself i think that's fucking rad i think that's cool yeah there's it's it's not a she's not shackled by that anymore she can there's just there's a lot more freedom that i don't know yeah this i hope that this album represents just freedom uh from any limitations that that uh held back whatever the full fucking creative vision because like i mean like we were saying they are financially stable now uh much more than they were uh when those other songs are written and they're in you know presumably uh well not presumably better places emotionally because being famous also sucks so now they're Mm -hmm. in interesting new bad emotional places (laughs) but they have the money and the resources to to explore those ideas and i think it's i think it's gonna bang i hope it does uh i don't i do not dislike a single song that they have put out that they say is gonna be on this album so i think it's gonna be pretty fucking good yeah um god and that's all that's all the that's all the 100 gex and dylan brady and laura less stuff that we had to talk about today um i hope you learned something about hyperpop uh if you would like to expand your horizons beyond 100 gex i have a few recommended further reading <laughs> um if you just want if you want to get into hyperpop and all you know is gex um i listen to a lot of hyperpop <laughs> i listen i listen to all of the bad hyperpop so that other people don't have to do it right um so i'm going to tell you some good hyperpop albums all right because th- it's really hard to find good hyperpop albums there's a lot oh, of great so singles true. there's many many great singles um but good albums are hard to come by so i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna lay down a few good albums to listen to um obviously if you have not listened to food house by food house you gotta listen to that fucking album oh yeah um huge just uh i would i would say that one is sort of just like expanding on the themes and ideas of a thousand gex in a way Mm -hmm. that's very satisfying i think they uh they it was one of the first albums that came out after a thousand gex that felt influenced by it, but not living in the shadow of it. It is its own thing. Um, yeah. They definitely put their own stamp on it. Yeah. For real. Um, uh, you got to listen to fishmonger by underscores. Yes. Um, and then the recently released, like basically B side album Fearmonger, which uh, they're, they're both so good. If you're into like the, the the punk and like kind of bedroom pop style stuff you gotta listen to underscores Mm -hmm. like it uh, we will probably do another episode about underscores in the future because i think both of us have a lot yeah we got like like one or two more underscores projects and then we could do two hours on underscores very very important music to both of us yeah Uh, underscores i think like it, it is they're they're the next big thing i think like it, it yeah they're the new wave of the future I would it's even the new say. wave of the future baby <laughs> um if you're really into just like the traditional pop stuff um i think the best one of those that i've heard is uh how i'm feeling now by charlie xcx 
It's a mostly Dylan Brady produced Charlie XCX pop album, mm. and it's it's grindy. It's Rules. awesome. It's loud. It's there, there's it's it's fucking it's great. Um, yeah, the 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 single from that album, Claws, is one of the best songs ever made. Yes, <laughs> yeah. yes. Oh, Char- Charlie XCX holding it down for all for all weird hot bitches everywhere. God, <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, yeah. For, for the for the bisexuals out there. <laughs> yeah. Um, no. Um. Uh, in that same vein, uh, I'm trying to find the what's the name of it. Um, Kim Petras put out an album that's just Halloween songs, and it's just <laughs> spooky. Oh, uh, turn off the light uh, by yeah, by Kim Petras. Particularly songs like "There Will Be Blood" and "Party Till I Die" are incredible, like very like comically vampire-y, like mm-hmm. like sounding hyper pop, uh, very slickly produced pop songs. So that in the same vein of uh, traditional sounding pop, yeah. Yeah, um, if you're really into, like, the, the hip-hop stuff, uh, you gotta listen to some Tony Valore. Uh, yep. Listen to 3M, that's a really great album. Um, and then also, if you're looking for singles, listen to Europlug by D- Tony Valore and Dylan Brady, one of the greatest songs of all time, just fucking amazing. Um, if you really like the, like, acoustic-y, bedroom-poppy kind of stuff, uh, you gotta listen to Tor. You gotta listen to Eel by Tor. It... it Damn, that boy can write some songs. Damn, that boy's got so many fucking catchy hooks in him, and it's fucking amazing. Um, And then, okay, this last one, y'all have to... Everybody has to promise me that they are going to listen to this album. Everybody has to promise me that they're going to listen to Things Happen, It's Okay by From the Heart. Okay? This is... From the Heart is like a producer supergroup. Dude. (laughs) It's got... Underscore is on there. Gabby Starts on there. Valentine's on there. My two favorites already. (laughs) It is... Things happen. It's okay. Might be the second, like, like might. Uh, it, it's an it's in top three for me of hyper pop sure. albums. It's and and it, it's like six tracks and it's got everything you want. There's there's hip hop songs on there. There's pop punk songs on there. There's like there's a song on that album called Midwest Emo Two. Okay. <laughs> it's Fuck. fucking amazing. It's so good. Um. um. Uh, speaking of Gabby Start, um, Gabby Start uh, has has two singles out right now, and mm-hmm. whatever this project is going to be is going to be incredible and extremely up my alley. Um, and uh, they are formerly known as uh, Knapsack, spelled with a K-N. Um, Knapsack has an album called "The Buzz of a Lifetime" that came oh, out in yeah. t- 2020. It's a, it's it's tw- 27 minutes, and it's uh, I discovered it recently, but it's already become like up there with underscores in terms of my favorites. If you like underscores, this is like very much underscores style. Yeah, the the album uh, Futura also by uh, also Gabby good Star, by them. Yeah, fucking so good. It's like <laughs> it's like it's like it's like an arena rock almost like 808s and Heartbreaks kind of album. It's fucking, it's awesome. Um, anyway, yeah, those are just a few suggestions to get you started. Um, and also, uh, if you just want to listen to a bunch of songs and you know, you're not an album person, you just want a playlist, uh, I have a Hyperpop playlist on Spotify uh, that I have been adding to for the past, like, year and a half. Um, and it has become one of the most popular creative endeavors I've ever done. <laughs> like... There's like over a thousand people following this fucking hyperpop playlist. Um, I'll link it in the description of this episode. And also, if you just search hyperpop bangers, it's the first thing that comes up on Spotify. <laughs> it's called hyperpop bangers play it loud, bitch. 
Um, <laughs> like, there's like five hours worth of hyperpop on there. I, uh, you know, certified bangers only. Uh, I, I give you my guarantee that every song on there fucks. Um, so yeah, check that out if you're into that. Um, God, yeah. Anything else you want to say uh, before we wrap this up? Um, you should listen to the album Bone Palace Ballet by uh, Chiodos. <laughs> like, honestly. Okay. <laughs> um and uh uh we're gonna now transition into uh doing this but for fallout boy uh and we're gonna start right now so evening out with your girlfriend is an ep that (laughs) we need to start yeah i gotta stop recording and then start recording the next three hour hour podcast we're doing today hell oh god uh for me it was tuesday peace play some halo (laughs) Later.